Yes, hello, hello. This is uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm uh, from the Jurassic Park uh, films, you may remember. Uh, advising you all to listen to the muck pod, you know, don't spend a lot of time uh, asking whether or not you could or, in fact, if you uh, should, uh, just do. Uh, uh, enjoy the show. Kia ora, and welcome to MuckPod, the Muck Buddy community podcast where we chat with the talented people who help us make cool stuff about what they do, how they do it, and what's inspiring them. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Marchant, and here with me as always... I'm Simon Crane. I'm an animator here at Muck Animation. And with us in the studio today, over from Brisbane, Australia, the return of Alex Sikowski. Greetings. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Our first returning guest. Yes, doing it in real life for the first yeah. time. Yeah, before you were in your home, probably a lot more comfortable. Yes. I hope that the uh, the, the podcast room isn't too intimidating. We've put a lot of, you know, silly artwork and soft toys on the wall for sound quality and also yeah. atmosphere. Maybe. No, it's good. The rattle of the uh, air conditioner is... Uh, Let's you know that we're not too uh, Perfect ambience. <laughs> well, you probably won't hear that because we, we do we do scrub that out. Yes, yes. But trust me, it's there and it's <laughs> yeah. louder than you'd think it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just use modern technology and it goes away. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it's easier than fixing a... Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, we've brought Alex back, uh, you know, quite quickly after his debut appearance because we didn't have a chance in amongst the talk about uh the cosmos and the meaning of life and synthetic intelligence to chat about uh another really important and cool thing that alex uh spearheads uh the vision feast yes that is your uh that's your film festival yes so um just to give a little bit of background about it uh we start or i started it six years ago um around 2015 and back then there wasn't really many independent kind of music video festivals. I was doing a lot of music video directing at the time. And um, in terms of what New Zealand kind of had in terms of the support structure, there used to be some uh, festivals, something like uh, the Kodak Music Clip Awards or ha- uh, Handled Jandal. They were, they were quite big in the, I think it was like during the 2000s, kind of like early 2000s throughout there. Um, to 2005, 2006-ish, but then they kind of disappeared. I'm not, sh- I'm not quite sure on the history of why they disappeared. Were they all Auckland-based? Uh, so I think both of them were actually Wellington right. um, festivals, but as a young filmmaker at the time, someone who was at film school and wanting to get into the film industry, they were kind of like that stepping stone like platform where you're like, well, you know, I want to be part of the community. I want to make things. I want to get them into these um, uh, events and show my work or hopefully like show good work to, to my peers and, and get it recognized and stuff like that. And ironically, though, as soon as I like, like graduated and finished, um, it was only one year and then they all kind of just disappeared. The, the whole structure kind of went away and there was this kind of void of, um, I would say, like, uh independent festivals there's big ones um but not like for the for the smaller filmmaker maybe coming up in the Mm. in the industry and um it was like that for a while and i got to a point basically where technology i guess was becoming more uh, available online where it was easier to kind of um form a festival and uh with a friend of mine at the time craig gainsborough we kind of like or had this idea like maybe we should start a music video festival this is how the, the festival started because there isn't one there, there there isn't one anymore um and that was kind of the genesis of it 
um, just to see if we could do it. Cause, uh, and you find out that it's a hell of a lot of work, but, yeah. um, at the time it was like, well, there's kind of, I guess you could say it was like a gap in the market, but it was more like, well, there's no, there's no community structure for this. And it's kind of, I always felt as a filmmaker, especially like growing up and then going through it myself, that that support structure is kind of important and it makes the community more vibrant in terms of um, places to show your work, celebrate your work and feel like you're working towards these kinds of things. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where it started. Now we're six years later. And that was, was that, so when that started, was that, like purely Kiwi music videos. Yeah, so international. I guess like a little bit of lore behind that, it, because like you know when you start something, no one knows about it, and I I was no like social media genius at the time, um, so we we started the festival on the platform, the Film Freeway platform, because it made it relatively um, easy for you to to be able to do that. Okay, tell me about that. What is that? Uh, Film Freeway is the system that um, takes the entries in. And um, so there, so in the in the film festival market, you you basically had without a box at the time was the biggest one. That was like the flagship monopoly. You, if you wanted to enter a film festival, um, major ones, independent ones, indie ones, you all went through without a box. Okay. Then Film Freeway came along and just flipped everything on its head, and made it easier, and and more. I would say the user interface is what really won it because without a box was super like convoluted. Like right. to to get your stuff on there was hard, and it was like you know, a little bit like tricky and you had to really like dig your teeth into to make it work. Film Freeway came along, made it streamlined, made it easy. Not only did they make the entry system easy, they made it easy for film festivals to make the entry system easy and customize it the way you wanted. Um, so that's um, the platform that we're using. So how does that work though? Like, So you go to Film Freeway yeah. and you say, have you got a list of relevant types of movies that we can no no film freeway is just the, it's like squarespace it's <clears throat> it's just the medium they, it's just a tool that people use to to host their platform okay so it's like a social media type thing you go so then you go there you look at a bunch of movies and you say we like this one we like no this no one, no not, like not quite not quite I, I think i think what you're saying is it's uh, a platform that someone like you trying to run a film festival uh can use to yeah. create a basically a submission tool hmm. so that people That's who have is, yeah. films can easily uh, put yeah, yeah. Their, uh, their films into your festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the old one was way too complicated nice. and probably a barrier for people. It was harder, yeah. It was like MySpace. Yeah, it's, yeah well, just say yes. Just yeah, say yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it, it was, was kind of like an era where things were starting to become a bit more uh, user-friendly in terms of the internet, like internet-based submission platforms and things like that. But we basically launched it with the sole intention of only showing Kiwi work. Um, but we found that it's actually really hard to get Kiwis to enter at the time anyway, because A, we weren't known, no one knew what we were. And it's just like without thousands of dollars in advertising, it's, it's basically impossible. Mm. However, we opened up not only to Kiwi entries, but we opened up to um, the international market. And for our first year, entries were completely free. And right. we just got absolutely do, like demolished with entries um, right. because it's free. Uh, yeah, right. If you open up for free, you just get everyone entering everything, no, no matter what. So you <laughs> had to sort of go through like, like 1,800 20. entries in that no. first year. And I, and I had to sift through every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. And there would have been some uh, some some less than stellar work being oh, yeah, submitted. Yeah, yeah, because sure. I mean, you, get, you get the entire spectrum of everything. Um, and so the volume of work was crazy and I, I didn't anticipate it but it, it helped I think you know it's like if 
because it was free, you, we got the spectrum of super high quality stuff, super independent stuff, super really bad stuff, and um, just such a variety. And we got plenty of Kiwi entries. There's lots of Kiwi winners in that year as well. And um, and still to this day, I, uh, the winner of the first year, um, uh, Remy Benoit, who won the, the Visionary Prize, which is the best of the festival. I still, I'm still in touch with him to this day on Facebook. He came to visit like a, three years later because he's in, he's from France, mm. and um, it's you know you, you just you know opened up to this whole community and context of people that you normally maybe would not have been in touch with. And again, um, we didn't have many entries from New Zealand in that first year, but it was a start, mm. and we built on top of that. And so that's kind of like, okay, so how do we, how do we start to um, make sure uh, uh, that Kiwi filmmakers know about it and they have an opportunity to, to enter it? Um, uh, because without, without the kind of exposure to that, it's like, you know, who are you? Where are you from? Like, why yeah, are you doing like this? It, it, when it started off, it wasn't always like a live event the way it is now, was it? No. So for the first three years, it was all digital online and, um, and that itself is like, I, I've, I'm a film, I'm a filmmaker. I've entered festivals um, as a filmmaker, so I know the kind of festival market in the context of in, indie filmmaking. And um, I've had my own experiences about like, the cost of entries, the entries getting in, winning as well, um, traveling to film festivals across the planet if you get into them, um, which is awesome as well. It's all part of it, but also having the other experience where festival the whole market can also seem like gambling like you basically are you put your entry in you pay to enter into a lot of these festivals because um it's you know it takes work to do this the festival so you know someone has to review your work all that kind of stuff um but sometimes it feels really empty like you just pay pay to get in but even if you win or even if you get nominated all you get is like an email saying hey Congrats! Right, and then your name goes on a list somewhere, and that's kind of that was kind of it. It's the the equivalent of in old video games, you know, that were super hard. I'm thinking like Atari and stuff. You'd play and bleed your thumbs dry trying to win these things, and then when you do win, all you get is a screen saying congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but basically, basically, like, and um, I had that experience actually, like going to a big festival in Canada, and I and I thought it was going to be worth it. It's a um, big big festival, and it kind of just turned out to be like. Um, it was a big festival, but it didn't really, it didn't really meet my expectations in terms of like entertainment value, um, networking value, and things that my, I personally would expect would make a you know a three thousand dollar trip overseas worth it. You know, because um, I could spend that money on making another piece of content rather than spending it on traveling to a film festival. But um, my goal was always that um, I've always made sure that when, once, we'd, we, once we did start charging for entries, because it does cost to run this thing, they, the entries were affordable because like independent filmmakers aren't loaded. You know, they might like bigger, bigger independent filmmakers might have a budget, $500, $1,000 budget for entries into film festivals. But for the average person who's just directing the off one off music video or, um, you know, four or five projects a year, you know, $70 US an entry is like, you know, it's quite a bit of money. And, and you might not get anything out of it. You might just say, thanks for entering, but you didn't make it. Your yeah. work wasn't good enough. And it's like, well, that's what I mean by gambling. You, if you're willing to pay $70 to enter a big film, big film festival, the payoff can be awesome because you're part of a, um, a showcase of the best of the best. Yeah. Or that $70 just goes um, into the film festival's pocket 
but that's the risk you're willing to take to get your work exposed yeah. into that into that market. Yeah. And the, and there are different ways of exposing your work, but that's one of them. And then it's a major one. It's it's a huge market. So. Do you have different um, depending on what category a person wants to enter? Do you mm. have like different levels of fees? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, uh, so. Again, we've always tried. I've always aimed to try and make it like an, it's affordable. So across the board, Kiwi Kiwi filmmakers are only going to be charged twenty dollars, um, uh, fifteen US. But it's it always it usually translates to about twenty twenty dollars, give or take. Um, and we try to keep that like that because you know we think that's a fair price for us to review your work, um, and also um, get into the festival. The bonuses like are, are way better. The the fees vary. We always have. Um, a country spotlight every year. So um, this year that just went past, it was Australia. And um, we've had Brazil, we've had Japan. Oh, so wait a second, you spotlight a certain country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So every year we have a special category that's just for that country. And oh, the right. entry fees for that country are like $10 or something. Oh, okay. Mm. So it's like reduced fees um, so that we get entries from that country to sh- celebrate that country's work. Oh, sweet. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's always just like its own category. Uh, so who, who's up? What, what country's up this year? So this, uh, in our 2023 season, it's going to be United States. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So 2023 being next year's Vision um, Feast. Yeah in, yeah, the, yeah, in the current tense in, yeah, when this yeah, gets yeah. released. When this is released, exactly. Um, because yeah. we'll probably launch our new season in, in end of July 2022. With any um, luck, this yeah. podcast will be out before then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, think we, so. we, we should just mention right now, though, that this is the actual weekend of the Vision Feast 2022. Yeah. It is. Um, We've actually so. got a big, beautiful... Uh, what do you call this? A sign? Banner? A banner. There you go. A big, beautiful banner. Uh, this will be at the event, I imagine. Yes, yes. Uh, it looks fantastic. And it's covered in the uh, the little mascots that you created. Chompies. Yeah. Is Chompies. that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're, they're eyeballs inside a mouth uh, with big fronds. Are they meant to be eyelashes? Yeah, well, whatever you want them to be. Dreads, yeah. hairs, and, eyelashes, and, eyebrows. And the pupils are like a camera lens, sort yes. of. Yeah. The James Bond little yes. snapshot thingies. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, those are really cute. We've also got um, some of the awards that you're actually going to be physically giving to people. Yeah. To what you were saying about making it feel special yeah. and you actually get to take home something. Yeah. You get one of these lovely, lovely chompies that have been 3D printed. The Golden Trophy. Yeah, it's a yeah, SLS, uh, I think, um, 3D print. Lovingly crafted by Carl Willis, who also works at Makapati. Super and talented. He, he uh, he's three D printed some things for me. Well, he made he made the five year trophies that we talked about before in um, uh, previous podcast. That's and, right. And they're they're actually like they're yeah. little works of art. That's where I got the idea one. from for this because when I saw those trophies that they gave us after five years of working here, I was like, oh, we could make like you know we should have chompy. Those yeah, are some chompy perfect trophies. Perfect award statuettes. Yeah. Um, so um, just going back a bit though. So, so how many years was Vision Feast? Uh, like an online festival so for, when did yeah. it turn to an actual live event and what yeah. what did that feel like so i ended up um uh when when we, so when we first started um jonathan uh sorry um craig had to drop out due to personal circumstances so i ended up running the whole thing by myself and there's a lot of work to do everything by yourself for a film festival that was getting like in its first year 1800 entries as soon as you are as soon as you start charging for entries it drops off significantly um especially and if the you're quality still, goes up I was uh, quality. Well, I wouldn't say the quality goes up. It still but stays. The chaff goes varies. away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you definitely filter out um, people who aren't going to be I, like. I did want to say that it sounds like the adding the adding the fee serves dual purposes. On yeah. the one hand, it just means that 
for your sake, reviewing the films, there's going to be less volume to get through. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, it also means it pays a little bit for your for your time and your administration, the costs of running the festival. Yeah. And uh, does that does that money also go toward the prize pool at all? Where does that uh, um, come into it? Well, I mean, currently everything goes back straight back into the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, my current philosophy is just to keep growing it and. Um, yeah, you're not taking well, a, I'm not taking, a, we, a wage I'm or not taking anything from it. I'm, I'm doing it to give back to the community. At least that's what I kind of see it that way. But um, you but know, also people, make make good connections for yourself. Yeah, for sure. People, like-minded yeah. people, other creatives. You're getting more out of it than just money. Yeah, well, I'm not getting money from yeah. it. It's the whole kind of idea is to put the money back into it to, to grow the community um, and help the, help the um, independent community. Um, and celebrate their work and get yeah. their work re- work recognized. It was uh, so. it was interesting what you were saying about how uh, I guess there's um, a difference between like a a professional or a funded uh, film short film project and a totally independent one. Yeah. So you're like you were mentioning that some uh, short films will already have money set aside specifically for entering yeah. uh, film festivals, whereas not everyone uh, making making a work of art has that. Yeah. Uh, and you wanted to make a film festival specifically for the smaller independent films. Yeah. Well, we're we've been growing over those years, um, and so like you like coming back to that original point is that we were digital for three years. And then um, uh, I was pretty close to throwing the towel in because I was just like, it's way too much work. Um, I'm not kind of like making a living off this or anything. And um, I, I liked doing it and I liked recognizing people's work. But I, was, I was just kind of at my wit's end with the, with the amount of work that it was. And then enter Jonathan Sophie, who's the current producer and completely changed everything in terms of like um, make, taking it to the next level. So me and Jonathan now run the um, um, festival together. All oh, right. Do you know what it was that? Like, how did Jonathan find out about you? Uh, me and him just knew each other in the industry. Again, right. he's an industry guy. Works like first AD. He's just super talented, organized producer. And um, I can't remember the exact details of how we met, but I he he was running. He were, he runs his own festival. Okay. So he's got his own company called Sinitine, Um and he he has other festivals across the planet. Who he, which he runs similarly with other people, independent. Um, he's got he's international kind of character, so he's you know, he's got um, contacts in France and Australia and that. And I think I told him about this thing and how I kind of like I'm ready to either throw it in or I need some help to to run this. And he came on board, um, crazily enough, uh, and we just kept going. And that's when we started um, our live our, yeah. our live uh, first live event. So and is this so this one t- this weekend is the third. This Fourth? is our third live event. Third live Sixth event. year, third live event. That's good. I, um, that means I've been to all of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well I'm done. A, I'm I've a been better to friend two. than I thought. But yeah, but you're going tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. That's you it. Go. You've been to all of them. No, no, no. I, this will be my second oh, okay. one. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. are a better friend. <laughs> I've known him longer. This is true. <laughs> no, the, and the live events are, uh, they're always fun. They're always fantastic. It's and a really great night. You can, you can really sense that um, the philosophy behind it of uh, connecting the community. Because... Uh, it is one thing to make a film and then just put it out there into the ether on, on the internet and hope that it finds an audience. But being able to connect with other people making artwork in your community yeah, yeah. in New Zealand is really important. And before every, uh, it's it's has it been done the whole time at the Academy Cinemas? Yes, and and they've been a huge help as well. Um, running the thing, making the DCPs, um, just learn for us a learning process of how you know to run a film festival in our first year when we did it. Um, uh, it's a really nice venue because it's got this like lobby. anybody who knows the academy, it's this um, 
it's got this art house cinema sort of vibe to it, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. You know, it's like obscure videos that you can buy or underground. They're probably DVDs <laughs> now. You know, yeah, but you have, yeah, you go down these flight of stairs with like posters for films that you haven't heard of. The, re- the reception on your phone goes because it's, yeah, it's yeah, in the basement. Which is a good thing. It's, for an, it's an underground into the world bunker type feel. Yeah, and the seats. Well, they've been there since the fifties or whatever. They're, they're not these big, huge, comfortable seats. They're, but you don't mind sitting in them for the sake of nostalgia. No, I was going to say they're they're great. They're uh, similar in levels of comfort to the Hollywood Avondale, my yes. my local. Yeah. They work in that you're not going to fall asleep because the seats are not plush. Yeah. You know, your backside is like, no, no, no. We're awake for this. Yeah. We're paying attention. We're sitting up. I remember actually sitting in seats like that as a kid. And you know the way they fold down? Yeah. Like like I used to have to have sit on them folded up so yeah. that I was like like big enough yeah, to yeah. see them. Because <laughs> right. also those old theaters are flat as well. You know, they don't have like a steep gradient that True. we're used to now. So when you're a little tiny boy, um, you know, you have to sit on the I'm I'm picturing, were you, were, you, were you a newborn when you were sitting on top of these chairs? Like, no, you don't have I to mean, be small. Yeah, I've been like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, three foot tall for most of my life. Yeah. I just had a growth spurt in the last five years. That, That's true. Yeah. People listening to the podcast don't realize it, but he's sitting on a booster don't, seat. Don't you remember, um, I think it was another podcast I mentioned how there used to be smoking in cinemas oh, when yeah. I was a child? Mm-hmm. That stunts your growth, right? That's true. That's I, true. I'd like to point out, I wasn't the one doing the smoking. But I was... You were the recipient just, yeah, of smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second-hand smoke. And like um, any film you watch, like back then, the cinema's always smoking. You see the beams. Yeah. yeah. The, now if you shoot a shoot in a cinema, it's just like you can't see it and it's just not as magic anymore. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I am fully of the opinion that guns and smoking are cool when you see them at the movies. <laughs> Maybe we yeah. should just uh, introduce a smoke machine into the... Um, academy you just to should. just to create a bit more atmosphere I remember <laughs> they, they, when they got rid of smoking in bars i thought you know they're gonna have to you know pump some kind of smoke into this we're, we're really uh, getting off t- topic and i will bring us back but <laughs> i just wanted to share this fact that i learned from qi Did you know that um airplanes uh back in the day in the 60s when whenever when they would have been uh they allowed smoking in the cabin there was actually more oxygen in the cabin because they had uh, machines and filters, I guess, in place to constantly replace and recycle the oxygen. Oh, right. Okay. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Who would have thought? I guess we've got to get them back now with um, you know, international travel and COVID and all that sort of stuff. You I want sure hope so. Really nice air filters on those planes. Mm. But uh, I was going to say that the, the, the lobby outside um, of the cinema, you come down the long stairs and then there's this lovely uh, lobby you know, you can stand around and chat to each other or there's little corner benches and stuff. And every, the two times that I have been to the, um, that I've been to the, uh, the event, um, before the film, before the, uh, the, the prize giving, the event, uh, the, all the people congregate and just start chatting and making connections. Yeah, yeah. Fostering. And after as well. Um, there's always before and after. Well, that was a really show. nice thing. I remember last year uh, uh, there was a movie starring a little kid. The dad would have an imagination when they were driving right. the car in, in, through space and stuff like that. It was a really beautiful movie. Was it Was it about... Space Invader. Single dad and the, and the kid was like, you know, didn't didn't want to kind of let go of his dad. Share his dad yeah. with the new... The new girlfriend and um had a he had a kind of darth vader right. um, v- vibe going on about him and they they played on that super cute what film. was the name of that movie again in space invader space di- directed invader. by isaac bell it was it was really beautiful but i really like, enjoyed like, it t- to your point josh afterwards the kid was there yeah you know so you're able to kind of go up and sort of say hey well done you were like 
That was really good acting. And that's a great reward for um, for filmmakers. People having just seen your film and being up, being able to go up and you know sort of pat you on the back and yeah, see the you know, excitement really in loved. the room and yeah. see like see how it plays to a crowd, all that sort of stuff. I think um, that moment last year when James Jennings uh, won. He won the Best Acting Award, mm. and he was just so proud and like that really. Was, was that the dad? Yeah, yeah. And, and he just it just really reminded me like um, how how much it means to someone else for them to be recognized by their peers, um, even if you've never met these people who are watching your films before, um, and how like much pride there was was in that. And I was like, oh, this is why we do it. You yeah. know, it was just like such a solidifying moment for me. It's like this is why we do it. Yeah. And um, so that was that was a great, great little moment. And I remember that you having that buzz last year. Like, once it was over, once, you know, because yeah, yeah. it's nerve-wracking before the event. Yeah, yeah. You're feeling that now. Yeah, definitely. But this this time tomorrow, well, maybe not this time tomorrow, this time Saturday, you know, you'll remember how great it is. You'll be all sort of fired up for yeah, next yeah, year's yeah. event. Yeah, definitely. Well, you reset and then you, you start planning the next one. Um, but also... A part of coming, kind of coming back to making the the um, festival worth entering. Like when we're, um, I guess, circling back to if you're only doing it digitally, you ha- you kind of have to make it. Um, pr- you have to present the work in a way that makes it special. So there's no point in just putting your name on a list somewhere, especially if you win. You need to show that even if you can't screen the work on the internet to people, you should show it. Um, you know, visually. And so I put like a lot of pride and care into developing the website and all the um, media that goes around, like sharing who the filmmaker, uh, what the project was, who the filmmaker was. And um, especially when we're doing it just digitally, like making sure the website's like, that's that's a landing page. When people search for the vision feast, this is the first thing that they're going to find. Uh, maybe, you know, they'll go to Facebook or Instagram and that. But the website, it's like the flagship. And uh, there's so many um, film festivals I've gone to that are like... Um, as a filmmaker myself, I want to enter and I go to their website and it's just like, you know, it's information, a, couple, a few lists, no pictures of any of the projects, um, no links to maybe their websites or works or anything like that. And it's kind of like, like, you know, this is, isn't that the point of entering the festival? So that there's some kind of like track record of like who won this year, who won that year and yeah. show me, show me their work visually. So if you go to the website, the whole, the whole point, the whole, philosophy behind the website is we're going to show your work off as visually and as interestingly as possible with all of our you know vision feast so kind do, of do, do the actual movies end up on the website no only the stuff that's publicly available online okay we, we will list so you send links to, like, yeah yeah, yeah. so if the filmmaker has uploaded it to youtube right and it's available publicly we'll share it that okay. way yeah. so people yeah. can access it and if it's not then we just show a picture yeah because yeah. with every movie there's all different types of red tape where, yeah. where they can show and where they can't show i visited the website uh just this morning because i've been trying to watch uh some of the short films in preparation for yeah. us having a chat today i looked at the i got through all the animated ones because those are the ones that obviously yeah. as an animator i was really really excited to see and i'll catch the other ones when i catch them but it is a fantastic website uh, you've got a really specific uh, aesthetic that you've cultivated uh for the for the film uh festival yeah uh we were talking about the chompies earlier yeah. uh did, did, how much thought went into uh the look of the vision feast or did you just sort of go you know you've got a lot of work to do just think of something and run with it no it's it's been a um a developing evolving thing over the years uh always had this idea of the mascot um our first three years we had um or at least the first year uh we had an artist called laura dubuk um do all the the graphics all the major the major logo 
again, super talented artists that I just met through um, Wellington, kind of like where to workshop crowd. Um, and she was doing some really cool um, graphic design, kind of 3D geometry stuff. And she, she did that first logo. And it was great. It was kind of like this is a good start and we were at. And then that kind of like evolved from there. Um, and what you find is that like the, one of the most expensive parts of a festival is um, the, the entire kind of like look, the, 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 the graphic design of your entire festival, especially if you want to present stuff that way to people. You need a lot of graphic design. And if you hire a graphic designer, it is like super expensive. And you can't just like you know, hire them for X amount of time and then hope to get everything out of them. You kind of need them on hand. So I do all the graphic design now, which is like right. one of the biggest jobs of the entire festival. But because I do it, I have access to all the media at any point. And what I discovered is it's easy to build assets over time. So the, this look that this, this kind of look of what the festival is now, this kind of fun look, um, uh, I guess like side note, the, re the reason I've gone this way is because if you look at film festivals, they tend to be very like, um, you know, you know, proper yeah. kind of like tux, a kind little of like stuffy, gold and black. Uh, I wouldn't say stuffy, but like kind of in the sense it's like it's, it's all a bit serious. Sure, they <laughs> want they want their uh, they want it to have like a real air of prestige. Yeah, yeah, and the, uh, prestige can come in many ways. Like obviously these are golden and they're pretty cool, but if they're um, the trophies that is, but if they're painted, which is what we want to do one day. Personally speaking for myself, I'd rather have one of these. Yeah, exactly. You know? But like um, the, the whole kind of design of the festival itself was to be a bit more fun, a bit more, I always make it akin to something like trying to bring back that inner child within us. Because, mm. you know, as you grow up and you become more disenfranchised with the world around you yeah. or, you know, through your own projects or what it is, you maybe start to lose that childlike um, uh, drive and dream of, like, why you started to make these projects in the first place and what you're trying to get out of them. And the whole point of the film festival kind of design was, like, trying to bring that energy back, no matter whether it's adult content, kids content, yeah. whatever it is. It's like... The, the essential element that I, re I read off the website was a stroke of madness. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? that's, that's what sort of ties the movies together, right? Yeah. Because you've got like a varied like variety of different types of, uh, I think we were talking earlier on and you said there's like there's like a death metal video yeah. uh, followed by something quite beautiful and not that death metal isn't beautiful. It is. <laughs> but something more heartfelt and sweet. Something more heartfelt, but... but both with that, like, first of all, blood, sweat and tears goes into everything that you show, yeah, you make, but yeah. it's got that stroke of madness. Yeah, well, as, as a filmmaker who's been there in the, you know, 12th hour, or whatever, 11th hour, like grinding and just you're there by yourself making a stop motion, whatever it is, stop motion animation, live action. And you're just like, what the, why the hell did I sign up for this? Like, what am I getting out of this? That's the madness part where you're like, yeah. you're willing to suffer through, through, the work because you're so passionate about it and like you know filmmaking is not the only one that people do that for but i think you know creative storytelling is sometimes it goes smoothly but most of the time you're problem solving crazy situations and you're trying to get to that end product mm. and with and sometimes it shows on screen like you know these people really like put some effort and craziness into it so. yeah yeah i i've seen that madness uh when we did the 48 hour uh film festival which is obviously a 48 hour film competition i should say yeah. um the last person to put everything together uh is uh the compositor and uh three years ago now i think we had uh we had uh dane jacobs who wrote uh the delightful theme song for That's this right. podcast yes. uh was the compositor 
and I went in uh, not quite the 11th hour, but it was getting late in the day on Sunday, which is, you know, mere hours before the thing needs to be submitted, and he was still busily beavering away, and I just had some innocuous question for him, and the room was dark. It was like, it was like Hearts of Darkness, you know, Curl <laughs> Kurtz. Yeah. He was just so focused on, on the job at hand at meeting the deadline. I asked him a question and he was, he, he barely had the brain space to respond. He just went, yeah. <laughs> you could see that there was a glint of, uh, of madness in his eye because he yeah. was just in a frenzy trying to get this thing finished yeah. for everyone so that yeah, everyone's that, work would be seen. Can you imagine the stress of that? Because I can't. Like, and I refuse to. Yeah. No, I've been there myself as a filmmaker. Um, and I've experienced projects that have been fine and not that stressful. And I've experienced projects that have just probably been the stressful thing I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. But um, you work your way through it as a filmmaker. You problem solve. It's like, well, right, we can't do that. And then how how do we get from here to, to the next page? Because mm-hmm. we have no choice. You know, you don't just like throw it in at, at the 11th hour. You, you figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so coming back again, that, that childlike quality inside of us, of um, the, the dreamer, you know, the... Um, that that little kid who wants to make the big thing, and it doesn't have to be the big thing, but it's that energy that I'm mm. that I'm trying to f- find again myself, maybe sometimes, but also trying to um, portray that through the film festival. Well, the film festival is not looking for the big thing anyway; it's looking very much for the first step of yeah, the big yeah. thing, isn't well, it? I think now we're getting to a point where we're getting a huge variety. Okay, but our focus is always on the independent yeah. filmmaker, the student, and um, which is probably a good segue to mention that. This year, in our 2023 season, we've teamed up with SAE Creative Media Institute. And um, they're, um, they're a tertiary training institute that specializes in film and video and um, uh, audio, I think, as well, music production. And um, we're putting up a prize of uh, $6,000 worth of scholarship um, material to high school filmmakers. And wow, this, this is completely directed at high school filmmakers. So that's that's going to be a category in and of yep. itself. It's going to be two categories. Right. Um, one for New Zealand's best secondary school um, director. Okay. And the other one is going to be for a writer. So you can submit... Again, um, script. a school writer? Yeah, school writer. Yeah. There's all, all high school students. There's terms and conditions. You have to be specific age to be able to use the, the prize. You can be a team as well. You can be a team of three. You can share the prize across. And the idea is that the scholarship basically means that if you win the $3,000 um, in your category, uh, you get that off your fees if you attend, if you want to attend SAE. So for some people, that could be life-changing. For some people, that could be a help. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the whole idea is to ins- try and inspire or help or give that stepping stone for filmmakers who are, because that's where it happens. I remember myself as that young filmmaker I would have loved to enter. I did enter um, uh, competitions like this, didn't win, but it was always like the drive starts there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, your first steps into the world of of uh, filmmaking are going to be in your teen years. Yeah, um, to it be honest, they're probably starting thing. probably at the age of toddlers now with YouTube and everything, right? right. Yeah, babies <laughs> so, are raised by iPads. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. know. But like in terms of like film production, understanding film process, creation, acting. Um, composite all that stuff whatever whatever genre you're making because this category will um uh, the, the directing award will encompass whatever you're working on stop motion animation live action music video experimental if you're making it we want to see it the entry fee is only 15 bucks um and you can inter- enter more than once but the prize also is you you'll get your project on the big screen 
and you'll win a $3,000 scholarship per category. Right. So That's really exciting. Yeah. Like just thinking about it from the perspective of uh, the kids entering that competition, yeah. like uh, encouraging them to get in and start thinking about filmmaking and being creative and for whoever wins, just what an exciting, uh, you know, start into a, into a career that can be hmm. because um, at that sort of age, kids are thinking about what they're going to do when they leave school and for for plenty of creatives they have to start thinking about like well i like doing this thing but is there is there any way for me to do this you know as a job because mm. there's, there's going to be plenty of people in in um in people's lives saying yeah. you need to get a real job mm. yeah, yeah but if you if you have uh you know getting some uh, recognition and encouragement early on can really help solidify like i can do this yeah and also to know that there's this creative community um vibrant kind of like you know way to the work is presented and the energy is mm. there um and to be able to meet your peers and be part of the alumni as we call it the vision feast alumni um that's a good page actually to go onto on the website the alumni page where you there's like photographs of the actual live events and yeah i had a the different look. winners from the different years yeah so. yeah and i enjoyed going through it there uh, recently when i knew you were coming back and just wanted to refresh my mind and it was really good seeing like like faces and 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 glimpses of movies that i'd seen a couple of years ago and it brings it all back and i, I just remember the great feeling that was in the room and um, so yeah the, the alumni thing it's like you say it's real important you, you, it's not just your name on a list there's a history there that you can look into yeah and uh and we we would love to ex keep expanding it's kind of just comes down to time cost and b budget constraints but like our dream is to become a multi-day festival mm -hmm. um and to branch out into um uh, having uh, in, in a way a podcast mm -hmm. where we interview the filmmakers that's as you guys know a completely huge job just in itself sure but like um, or just being able to interview the filmmakers from the past like revisit them where are they now what are they doing what's their next big project yeah um, that's on our list of things to do it's just that you know to do that because as you you know, if you listen to our last podcast, we're all working in the industry. So on top of the Vision Feast, I'm working full time on like three or four different other projects and my own projects that I'm entering into other film festivals and, and um, working my own film career as well. So this is all just part of that kind of like um, that journey of, you know, you what you know, creating stuff of your own, but also giving back to the community in yeah, a way. Building the community so, around you really, yeah. isn't it? Uh, the the festival as it stands uh, currently, uh, when when people attend the Vision Feast, uh, yeah. the big event, uh, select films will play. It's the winners usually, right? The yeah. winner of each category. Not, not always the winners, but um, it's kind of like a the the best, or it, it's not always the best of the best. It's kind of like we're we're picking very um, selected. The juries um, and the judges are picking a selective um, group of projects that we feel are going to give you as we say a degustation on the night because we don't want you to just sit through uh you know like short after short I, i've done that i've gone to film festivals in new zealand and there where you just sit there for two hours or an hour and a half of watching short after short after short and it's kind of fatiguing yeah and not i don't particularly i never found it that particularly entertaining because you can't really like hook yourself into something that's that short but in this format it's like um intermittently cut up between hosts talking prizes being given and then we juxtapose um, juxtapose projects mm -hmm. like you guys said earlier you know one project this year um hatu patu which won best music video um is like 
alien weaponry, awesome um, Maori uh, metal band in New Zealand, directed by Alex Hargreaves, um, like amazing video, um, death metal, you know, just like I watched that this morning. What yeah, a mi- it goes what a, hard. What a mix of like um, cultural elements yeah. of you know death metal, Maori, and New Zealand, all that stuff, and then juxtaposed against a music video from Latvia, which is called Feels, um, and like feel good anime kind of thing that right. looks like it would have been produced in Japan, but actually came from like, you know, Eastern Europe um, and like kind of opposing energies, but like really both awesome production quality, awesome um, like uh, um, use of techniques and all that kind of broad and, range of stuff. And so. you considered the flow like, like yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. know, each, this is good. One is going to complement the other. Yeah. It's like, you know, here's an entree and, you know, yeah. and, and then here's like a, a the, the pairing of wine with it. Yeah. And then here's your main dish. And then you're here comes the dessert. You know yeah, so I mean? like, it, it, it is like you say. It is in the title, Vision Feast. Yeah, exactly. Like right. we're just it's just all kind of play on that. Very clever. Yeah, yeah. This year we've got um, as our host we've got uh, uh, Tom Sainsbury, very funny. Yes. Um, TikTok is it TikTok. Uh, Snapchat dude. Snapchat. Snapchat. I think he's, TikTok. Um, he's also voiced characters here at Mugpuddy. Who's he voiced? Um, Possum. What's his name? Uh, oh, Gav. Gav, yeah. yeah. From uh, Jandleburn. Yeah. We love Gav. He's great. Yeah. yeah. So he'll be very good on the night. Um, you've always picked real good hosts. Um, who was it last year? Uh, Jim Van Epps. And then the year before that, it was um, Guy, Guy Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. Yeah. Who does, uh, he does stand-up local, comedy. He does a great lecture. podcast. Yeah. Worst study of all time. And he does uh, Mark, the marker from the drawing yeah, show. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, the the host last year, what was her name again? Jim Van Epps. Jim. Jim, yeah. Uh, I, I really felt for her because she had a tough job. And I've noticed this just in general, a general observation that New Zealand audiences are really hard to warm up. Like, uh, she brought great energy. Yeah. She kept the thing going and did exactly what you want the host to do. She's an is, American. She's an American, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and again, I get the feeling that other audiences around the world just are, they're just more, more receptive. They're quicker to laugh. They're quicker to join in. I, I remember I went over to Australia for the first time in my adult life 2019 just before everything went wrong and i saw knives out uh ryan johnson's murder mystery movie and i'd never experienced a movie going experience like that where people were laughing at a comedy in the cinemas when i go to see when i go to see a movie it's insane no matter what it is people are just you know you know very polite with their laughter did you ever um go to a screening of the room at crystal palace no (laughs) that is an experience crystal palace what is that um, it's just down the road in Mount Eden. I think okay. they, they did it at the Hollywood. They, they screened it at the Hollywood as well. My first experience was at Crystal Palace. And that is like, like if you don't know The Room, like most people know The Room is like considered one of the worst films ever made, but so bad it's good yeah. in a real it's enjoyable. It's yeah. a beautiful enigma yeah. made by a very yeah. strange man. But it's become this kind of cult thing. Um, and there is all these little things that you do it when you're in the cinema i wasn't aware i just thought i was going to go watch this bad movie and all of a sudden you got people screaming spoons spoons throwing spoons like plastic spoons at the screens and and just just going crazy it was like being at like a comedy rocky like, horror it's yeah, yeah, rocky yeah, horror. Yeah, something like that. and i wasn't i just wasn't anticipating it because i didn't know that's what it was now i kind of get it you know not that that's what we're doing at the vision feast but that kind of interaction <laughs> with the, with the with the cinema is like normally in the cinema it's dark it's quiet and people are Shh, talk, talk. Yeah, that's the way us Kiwis like it, though, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Well, Kiwis are, you know, nocturnal creatures. <laughs> Keep it quiet. We're, we're scared of li- bright lights. It's we're scared seen. of noise. Yeah. No, uh, listen. But she did a great job. It was a really good year. It was a wonderful night, um, and I appreciate the energy that she brought to it. No, yeah, she, did, she did a great job, mm. and um, and we and 
we're learning every year about um, the flow, the how we do it. Like you said, like saying like which kind, what films do we screen? We do screen winners. Um, we can't we can't screen all the winners because um, we just have such a, um, a a lot of amount of time. We just can't fit everything in. As much as I would love to award every nomination, we are a competition, so we do want to recognize the best of the best work. And um, it was disappointing, like telling a filmmaker that your work's not going to be screened. I feel for them because they're like, well, they're looking forward to seeing it on the big screen. Because they but, don't know before they show up whether no, they're going to no, get we're, screened we're, or not. We're, we're um, debating now whether we should create a li- uh, next time like an official list of this is what's being screened so right. people know in general. But we also like the point of not telling is also the surprise on the night. Yeah. But with any competition, it's disappointment if you don't win or if your project isn't on the screen. Um, but I, I, if filmmakers are listening to this, I just want them to know that you know getting nominated, we, we are recognizing your work. You, we have seen it. We, we, we want you to know that your work is of standout quality amongst all of the entries that we are seeing. Well, look, and we want you to keep making stuff. You know, so here at Mukputty, we have a a, sh- a a movie, a short movie that we made in the Vision Fest this year. That I worked on. Oh, is that out of order? Out of order, right? Um, and and I have like even though, uh, are you a judge? Not not you, on all the categories. You, so you yeah, probably yeah. didn't even judge on this. Like I'm I'm not like we I'll be there. The, the mucks are going to be there. You know, muck putty will be represented there. Yeah. But we have no. We don't believe that you know because we know you that we're going to win. You know what I mean? Or, we, that, like, or that it's necessarily like, going to be shown. Like, or that it's even going to be shown. Exactly. Like, I fully believe that, like, the, the, the better film on the night is the one that that will win. Yeah. You know, and and you know, and inside that, you just take that on board. Um, we are now working on an on-demand system through Academy, so that films that have been nominated of standout quality um, that um, we can't screen on the night will be available to the public through Academy's on-demand oh, system. Oh, that's very cool. Now, that's really exciting. So, uh, Academy started doing an on-demand service during the lockdown yeah. so that uh, people yeah. could continue to rent the cool and uh, so, interesting curated movies that they show. Yeah. I, I went to your website this morning and was looking at all the, trying to look at all the animated ones. Mm. And some of them I could only find trailers for because they're in the film circuit. They're yeah. not, you know, free and available on yeah, yeah. YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. So having an on-demand service where I could pay for the privilege to see these films would be really yeah. exciting. It's that we first, our first foray into it. So we're going to figure it out and um, see how it works. Okay. So listeners to this podcast, after listening to this podcast, they can go straight to the Academy. Um, not, not currently, but not just we yet. will be They're developing working it. On it. We're working, working on it. On it. Yeah. Working It'll be sometime throughout the year. And we're hoping to also bring back some of our uh, alumni to be part of that, the bit like best of the best, you know, yeah. we're going to get to a point where, you know, uh, uh, 10 years is four years away for us. And we want to, you know, have a screening of just like the, the best works from every year okay. and just have like a, a big, big party showing them off and showing the talent and maybe try and get the filmmakers to come over and be, be part of it and um, see where everyone's at and just continue the flow, you know, of, would that be, would that be the vision feast that year or would that be like, no, a, no, that would just be part festival. of it. Yeah. Cause right. like I said, like part of growing the festival on top of maybe doing interviews with filmmakers would be like, we would love to be able to invite the filmmakers to a, you know, a post, um, uh, like a Saturday, like if we're on the, if we have the event on a Friday, like a Saturday networking lunch just yeah. for filmmakers, mm-hmm. where it's like everyone who was part of it rather than just for the public, but get the filmmakers who are all in the film festival to, talk greet um talk about their projects mm. have lunch 
um, and just have again just a networking opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And you never know relationships could spawn. Yeah, or just have a good time and be part of um, and be uh, and know that your projects like you know being recognized yeah. by by your community and your peers. Um, yeah. So it sounds like these bigger plans that you have in the future for the Vision Feast, uh, a lot of that is uh, dependent on, I imagine, just people showing up to the live event, uh, showing that there's an interest from people to see more of what's being presented. Yeah, and it's been it's like Snowball. Every year it's getting bigger. We um, like huge thanks to our major sponsors like um, Rubber Monkey, who um, who uh, put up the price for the best Aotearoa project. It's a $3,000 rental package for that filmmaker so that whatever project they may be working on, they can put towards, you know, $3,000 worth of gear towards making that next project. So rubber monkeys are like a, like a it's a equipment rental. Yeah. It's an, it's a, I think Auckland based, but they are, are based in across the country. Um, uh, equipment technology, IT company, they sell equip, uh, gear, they sell camera gear, sound gear, whatever you name it, production gear. Um, and they've come on board and like, that's a huge help. And mm, that's a great advice. And, and final draft helping out with the scripts you know like software is expensive if you're an indie filmmaker you know you're not going to be able to necessarily afford final draft subscription but you know they've stepped up and, and given given us stuff Excellent. beginners writing guide run by Catherine burnett again helping out with the script writing section like um giving the winners um a spot in workshops to help them with their next script or the current scripts that they're working on um Lafare this year has come to the table, which is a coffee company. You know, co- in, uh, filmmakers need their energy. There, you know, yeah. And but we're give, they've given us spot prizes to give to the audience, so you have a chance to win some coffee and some prize packages at, in the in the cinema. Fantastic. There's um, there's usually like a um, a audience an audience participation. Or, yeah, part. audience awards. Like I said, like I've been to film festivals where you just sit and watch, but this is a bit more interactive. Where um, we, we give prizes out. We we um, interact with the audience um, we watch stuff then we come back we give awards out we we hear filmmakers talk about their project and then we try and cram it all into two hours and yeah, hopefully not run over time there's a, there's a <laughs> hell of a lot of categories yeah so i mean we we streamline it because you you have to um we we don't have a choice otherwise we'd be there for like four or five hours and that's yeah. it's much more fatiguing and you do have to have breaks and and food probably on, on offer and like that but like you know, one day maybe when we we're a multi-day um, film festival, um, it'll uh, you know be spread out a bit more, and yeah. we'll have different event nights. Um, a major thing we're introducing in our 2023 season is we're opening up now to feature films. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So that's a we've always been a shorts orientated, you know, under 30 minutes. Um, our you know we've got projects that really sum up the energy of the Vision Feast that are just three minute long, just epically produced animations or something like that. But we've been branching out. We branched out eventually in our third year into short films, and now we're branching out into feature films. Um, and there'll be a new foray for us. So but how's that going to work? Well, we'll have a category dedicated to long, long um, format features, and our, you know we, we don't know exactly how it'll work until we get the entries coming in. Right. But the idea is that hopefully we'll get some really, really good feature films, and we will. It won't just be the Vision Feast night. That right. we will be able so to offer these films at Academy um, over multiple nights, mm. so that people can go and watch them if they want. We'll advertise. We'll, you know, tell people about these movies. It's like you got to go check it out. It's like you know, and from this filmmaker from this country or from New Zealand or whoever it is. And these feature films will also be uh, independent. That's yeah, well, be your focus. Yeah, yeah, I mean, usually that's that's our, you know, bread and butter. It's like we're 
we're a film festival, we're not going to be getting AAA titles because you don't really need to enter a film festival if you're a AAA title. Um, and, you know, the the real payoff is like getting into Cannes or like those big um, um, film festivals like Sundance or um, Riverdance in the UK. Um, those are like the flagship, like Atlanta Film Festival and that. Those are like the, the big time like in terms of shorts and independent like if you get your project into those there's there's a few more um you're you know you're you start stepping up and you know south by southwest yeah, that's the, a, the film yeah. vision feast is nowhere near that level yeah. like our dream is to get to a south by southwest like level where um people all over the planet are coming here to, to be part of this film festival because we we my ultimate dream would be to branch out out of just filmmaking but into music um, and into other parts of production of filmmaking, like concept art, because you don't necessarily have con- like best concept art in the film. You don't really get to see the behind the scenes like celebrated that much in the film festival kind of like um, uh, I would say like format. And that's something I've been working on. I've unsu- unsuccessfully implemented it. It's the idea is still there, but big part of that is like making people aware of it that there's a concept art category we will award you for your artwork for the production design of the film really cool. um but it's something that has to be problem solved currently so. right 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 because yeah. there, there are like you've got like uh, visionary cinematography mm. as a category this year you know um obviously director is going to get their art direction uh editing is another category mm-hmm. actually that's something i wanted to ask about because i just don't know uh the judges for these films uh I, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume it's not just you making the calls on these films. You don't have uh, no, the time it ch- and it would... Yeah, it changes every year. Um, me and Jonathan are like the, the final line. Like we, we make the final decision whether um, we, we think it's going to be um, fit the Vision Feast ethos mm-hmm. and the quality of project. Because we, we judge projects on a, a wide range of things like it doesn't have to have the biggest budget in the world you can be a single filmmaker making a super experimental short and that's like this is you know this is what we're about this kind of real experimental yeah, if, side if it's of filmmaking it's still good right you can spend hundred thousand dollars working on a short film with an entire team of people shot over days and that could enter you know we, we've had the whole range from you know single filmmaker to entire crews entering mm. and we have guest judges every year um and they mm. um Jason Lee Howden. Yeah, this year he's he's judging the best director um, category. We know him from Death Gasm, amazing movie. Guns Akimbo. You, you, yeah. you helped him make both yeah, those yeah. movies. Um, I remember I saw uh, Death Gasm at a festival here in New Zealand. Uh, have you seen it? It's it's it's. I just, haven't seen Death Gasm. I've honestly, seen Guns Akimbo. That's the one I haven't seen, right? <laughs> um, and I feel bad about that because when I got my big TV. I was going to say, we, we decided Guns Akimbo is the first thing we we're going to watch on it. And then we just didn't, you know, and, and I feel bad about that. But Do you remember what stole its spot? Oh, it's probably a Marvel movie, like something that looks just like it's the like, most like, insulting. Thing yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> we, we, I was looking for something that was going to look really sure. It's a big TV, you know, mm-hmm. and you know what? Guns Akimbo would look great on it. It yeah. would have based on based on the what I saw in the trailer. Yeah. That's what gave us the yeah. idea. We were like, and we were because we were even going to rent it out that one night. We're like, no, 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 no. We have to wait until we get the TV, and then we just got lazy. But but that gasm, like, watched that in the crowd, and oh my god, yeah. like the, the good, cinema good was up raucous. I would say, you know, yeah. and like, he's got that directing kind of vision of like that. I'm really akin to as well that wild ride, you know, that mm. visceral energy. 
that comes across into the cinema where you just strap strap in for the for the whole oh, 90 minutes you're looking is, at you it know? kind of go, i can't believe this is on the screen yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know it's, sure. it's it's bold and yeah. naughty and it's just very entertaining and so, it doesn't stop yeah and it doesn't stop so yeah as a guest judge he's a uh, yeah. really good guy for you to know so but, um, is yeah. it is it a situation where you'll have a, a a single guest judge for each uh, no, category? No, not always. No? Um, it changes every year, mm. but I, I I end up judging, like, um, if we don't have a guest judge for the for the awards, I'll judge, let's say, like, animation or music videos, um, or uh, usually I, I'll be the one that picks the visionary winner, just as the festival director. I guess that's the... That's your the, privilege. The privilege that I've set myself in where I, I get to judge what I deem... Um, I, I, what I feel is the um, best of fest in terms of execution and energy and, and vibe. This year's winner, Irradiation by Sava, um, is just unreal. Like, you guys will see it. You haven't seen it. But it, when I watched it, I was just like, holy moly. Like, this is a, a like, strap yourself in. Like, but it's, it's very Russian Tartakovsky kind of, like, Tarkovsky kind of, like, um, vibe, dark um visceral sound design is amazing like cinematography the whole thing is 3d done in unreal engine and you wouldn't know it sometimes you'd be like is this filmed right. but you you'll be able to tell it's 3d i think it's like i can tell but it's done so well the atmospherics are like just like off the chain and i'm just like maybe in my own personal taste i'm like man this is like this guy knows filmmaking right. he, he understands the feel how to get that feeling across into the into the audience that's watching this the that emotion it's not necessarily it's an abstract story so it's, you're not necessarily sitting there and going oh i can see a character arc in this journey because it's a um, nine minute short but you're sitting there and it's like a roller coaster like a really dark ambient roller coaster where you're like you know starts off as like a ghost train going in slowly and then you're just like oh god it's getting darker and deeper yeah. and you're just sitting there going oh that is like oh, wild you know? what's but, that um, called again irradiation irradiation and um you'll see it tomorrow so yes, but like projects like that are like you know he made it with a small team and you know he's doing big things now he's got um funding from um the company that owns Fortnite. um what's i forgot the name but they they run a whole um funding system based on just people making movies in unreal engine which is a right. 3d games engine and the stuff you're making there is changing the game in terms of film production um at least 3d film production um, you know, you're starting to see this kind of quality work coming from just a small handful of, of people, right. much like my own work ethos with like Godslap and yeah. Skynet, where it's just like six of us or something making these like crazy projects and seeing stuff like that is just like pumps me up to keep yeah. making more stuff of my own as well. Yeah, you know? right. so, and that's definitely the cycle that uh, these uh, these festivals and these award shows, uh, you know, generate, you know, all the stress and all the worry and all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making something. When you get together and see all of the stuff that other people have made, and especially if you take home something yourself for your for your efforts, it just fires you up to go, okay, what's the next thing? You, you, you want that, I know that at least me as a filmmaker releasing projects, you, you lose objectivity on your project at some point. It's really hard to gauge um, uh, what it's going to be like for others. I think there is a point along the line where you're like, yeah, you kind of know. But if you worked on something for so long, you and Simon knows this because he's seen me go through it. I'm just like, I don't know if this is good anymore. And even though it probably is good, you're looking at it going, nah, it could have been better or whatever. And the best thing for any filmmaker is to show it 
to to people and then see their reaction and then get their reaction, especially live audiences. Like it's, it's, there's no other experience seeing a live audience react to your project. And if they react on the beats that you crafted, it's even better because that's like you're starting to understand the, the, the filmmaking process. And um, I think that that helps in, in terms of like li live audience sitting. Um, but you also do get kind of a byproduct of YouTube does that because you get the comments. So you get to see the reactions sure. of the comments. Sure. There's, there's nothing yeah. like the live uh, experience though, yeah. really, when, when you hear the... You know, the claps, the cheers, yeah, the yeah, gasps, yeah. all that. Well, like, a, a YouTube comment is someone stopping the thing and <laughs> thinking about what they want to say and typing it out. There's a little break in that. Whereas watching a film live and hearing people's visceral reactions, yeah. whether it's laughs or gasps or whatever it is, yeah. that's really exciting because you're like, people aren't people aren't faking that. They're not mm. intellectualizing that's it. Right. They're just reacting to what I'm showing. Or, them. you know, walking out of the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> that happens yeah. too. Yeah. You just tell yourself they're all going to the bathroom en masse. <laughs> so are you going to, um, like, do you get to put some of your own stuff in the Vision Fest? No, or no, no, no. So we're not going to get to see God slap on the no, big no. screen. I, I think you've mentioned, you should put your own projects in there. I've I just, said this, right? I just like would feel like the, the hubris that I yeah, would right. need to like play my own projects at my own festival. Well, I think you would have to disqualify yourself <laughs> as a judge if you put your oh, own Oh, no, stuff totally. In, right? But it, it just it just would feel too ironic. And it's not what, what it's for. Yeah. Like, as much as I want to put my own projects on the big screen with the community, I'm doing this for the community and yeah. it's their projects that we want to see. Did you ever and have so, anybody at the end of the night who thought their film was going to be showed come up to you and go, hey, man, you didn't even show my movie? Not yet. I, I have had to, um, like... In, in terms of emails and getting ready for the events, I, I do have to send emails and be like, you know, due to time constraints, your project can't be screened. Um, it's just kind of like the reality of having a very small, limited slot. You know, if depending, like, we get a volume of entries anywhere between 400 to 600 entries per year, depending, it changes every year. But, like, if you imagine the, the, a volume of work, you know, the percentage of works that are, like, um, out of 600, you know, 10%, you select or even less and then you know the top one percent is like the best of the best right you're trying to show show that all those works it's just not enough time to even show just the the best of the best yeah, it's, you know? it's brutal so, but it's just a reality of the sort yeah. of the, the two-hour time limit yeah. right? and I'm, i've been there i think as any filmmaker you have to be humble that your work was recognized and may not necessarily be screened but that it was you know you were, you were part of this yeah. thing in this time um but also not take it personally i think that's, that's like anything in filmmaking whether your project doesn't get selected or screened or whether your project um you know your dad doesn't like it or whether your friends are like eh, it could have been better i like it but you know <laughs> uh it's like whether you take the critique on is not to be angry at people mm. because it's not you know that's just their personal taste some people are going to love it some people are going to hate it mm. so it's like it's, project like god's lab it's like guns akimbo or whatever there are people that absolutely love it they want more of it and they can't get enough of it there are people who are just like this is the worst thing i've ever seen in my life i, I find that hard to believe but <laughs> no I, it's but, true it's but true i'm i'm sure being the creator you're looking at every comment and taking every comment those ones keep no, going. only the negative comments <laughs> yeah. you can you can like you know 30 positive comments and then one person says something mean and it's like that is the one remember we talked yeah. about this with mike yeah, where you sit up all night long worrying about it, and they're just in bed saying, "I think I like vanilla." Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. It's, exactly. You, th those are the people that um, you have to convince. So that keeps me on the filmmaking journey. It's like, well, I can make my project better. And uh, I mean, that's just a joke. But at the same time, like you're never going to appease every audience or every person, mm -hmm. and you have to remember that some people are going to critique your work, 
you got to take that critique on your shoulder, you know, chip on your shoulder and just get on, keep on with it. Cause look, it's, it's kind know. of part of being a creator um, and yeah. the more successful you get, the more people you're going to get telling you yeah. what you're doing. And, shit. The, and the more you're exposed to, the more people you're exposed to, the more you'll find out that there are whole groups of people that don't enjoy the kind of work you yeah, make. I was so. going to say the, the thing that like I've discovered, particularly on the internet is you will see that, there is such a range of opinion and taste that you can pick something that you absolutely love, that you think is perfect, the best thing you've ever seen in your life. You think it cannot be improved, and you'll find someone who says, I don't like it, and they'll give their reasons, and they'll be, you know, sound. Yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, but you go, wow, we just absolutely don't, we're not seeing this the same way at all. Yeah. We've just got completely different uh, views on this, you know? And it's important to just remember that that's, like, the general rule of life is that you can't please everyone you know you, oh it's definitely a philosophy yeah. that i've uh carried around with me just that just remembering sometimes that there are billions of people on the planet who don't see the world the same way i do at all mm. you know and you've just got to get on with it yeah but that's what i mean in terms of i mean whether your project doesn't get screened or whether you lose in the category or whatever it is um we're still trying to remind you that you, your work is part of this uh being recognized and we want you to keep going because it's of standout quality um, and hopefully the chompy will um, the golden chompy is lucrative enough that you want to keep entering because I like I want one I don't I don't I don't even own one I want yeah. one on my on my um, so you really mental. don't you don't take you don't take anything uh, you know financial or, or physical material from <laughs> yeah. this uh, I got some this. posters from the years so <laughs> <laughs> posters are nice you got a bunch yeah. of stickers I know because yeah yeah the stickers, stickers I've there. got a sticker oh, on my yeah. PC yeah. But that's a, like you said. I always see it. It's like part giving back to the community uh, in that way. Others may not see it that way, but it's it is um, kind of trying to keep building on that every year to to be able to celebrate local work, like independent local filmmaking and the best of the best from around the world, and hopefully get to a place one day where it is like South by Southwest, and we've got different genres, different days. We got guest speakers guest filmmakers attending and doing workshops things like that big um shout out to um alan chow who runs the chromacon because he was always a huge inspiration to to get this off the ground i was doing chromacon and i saw what he was doing for the, the graphic arts community um in auckland yeah. and doing this thing for us so that we could be part of it that we could show our work to other artists be part of this community that normally probably doesn't ever get that together in mass like that and um I was just like, this is awesome. Like, why isn't there something like this for independent filmmaking in New Zealand? And uh, that's, I was like, that was part of the genesis of trying to get the Vision Feast off the ground as well. So Chromacon was huge um, inspiration for this. So. It's very easy as an attendant to show up to an event like Chromacon or Vision Feast and just go, this just sort of happened, you know? Yeah, I'm just right. here to look and judge and see what I think. Ah, you know, here's some interesting things. Here's some less interesting things. But there's someone there doing it uh, because they want it to happen. Mm. You know, I, I hope you don't mind me saying I've uh, come to appreciate sort of the, the more noble aspect of uh, the vision feast, you know, the, the magnanimous reason to do it. Yeah. It's, I remind myself, I guess sometimes, cause you do get like with any large project, you do get to a point, maybe this is like a personal thing where you kind of, you're doing so much work and you're kind of wondering, is it like worth it? Like, why am I doing all this work? Um, especially when you're by yourself working from home digitally all year just talking to people on like slack or you know discord or something about trying to organize things 
Um, and then when you run the event and then you see how proud people are to have their work recognized, you go, like I said, when James Jennings got his award, just I was just like, boom, like there it is. That, that recognition means so much to those people and inspires them to get better at what they do and go to the next project and make that next step and just keep going at it, you know? So. Moments like that are, that's why I was sending all those emails. That's why I spent all those days yeah. messaging people, corralling people, trying to yeah. organize this whole thing. Also, I hope people just enjoy it for what it is just to, a big night good night out i have that's where i'm at yeah i love it it's a great night um there's always a few drinks beforehand uh watch a few movies there's a there's an intermission i feel i feel uh i feel safe sharing this now we're an hour and ten and i don't think uh the bosses will be listening at this point we're having a drink now this (laughs) this is our first wet podcast it's a it's i couldn't think of anything better to describe it because all our other podcasts are dry that's right we uh, we popped around to Fridge and Flagon. We went around to Fridge and Flagon. See what happens is usually of a Friday afternoon, getting a bit too or, dry or, actually. In uh, a Friday evening, <laughs> um, Alex lives in Australia now, so when work is wrapped up, it's usually about half past five on a Friday. Me and Alex will meet up uh, on, a, on a video chat and and have a quick catch up on how the week went and have a little digest, uh, have a, a, a beer, a wee tipple, well, a wee tipple, and and. This back and forth. Well, what are you drinking today? Because we both like craft beers, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we thought we're getting Alex back over. We'll have to recreate our our uh, Friday repertoire yeah. <laughs> here on the pod. And on the, the pod, and the fridge and flagon is a unique uh, sort of place. It's not a sit down bar or pub. You can yeah. sit down, but it's very much like a warehouse in the back alley yeah. mm-hmm. that there, has a few chairs. There are URLs. Shout out to them because we've we've been there a few times. Beerjerk.co.nz, but. I mean, if you're if you're into beer, you know, there's obviously a, a huge uh, beer kind of craft beer renaissance that's happened over the last maybe two or three years, mm-hmm. and especially in New Zealand and Australia. And uh, that place is like, you, if you're an adult, you're like a kid in a candy store. Very much so. Like, take your pick. What flavor do you want? They have <laughs> they have like all kinds of beers from all kinds of brewers all over New Zealand. Um, real fun beers and you know I don't, I don't have a very discerning palate when it comes to beer i'm like beer's a beer but uh like you say kid in a candy store they've always got cool artwork that's all what, over the cans and that's yeah. how i pick mine Do you know something it makes a difference honestly yeah. i've kept a few cans because of like the artwork on it we would um, love to um uh if garage project is listening oh actually shout out to to garage project mm-hmm. because um they brought dirty water on, in, as a sponsor onto the onto the event tomorrow oh, which is a seltzer alcoholic seltzer they make um, and they're offering a free drink with every ticket. It's yep. a pretty good deal, if you ask me. Fifteen bucks, night of entertainment, free right. drink. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, considering like it, like yeah, what I'm drinking now is a, it's a Gemini chocolate cream ale, and it is delicious. It's made by uh, Deep Creek, but this this was a tenner. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. For this for this beer. Yeah, we would love the to. The Vision um, Feast. It's fifteen bucks. Do a um, you know how so Garage Project has like guest art and and deal like different arts on their um different like releases and we would love to do maybe like one year like a vision feast oh yeah uh, that would be great a- ale. promote yourself on the can yeah or just have like a flavor or something you know like it would be kind of like something in the distant future but i always thought that would be kind of cool just I as part that, of the you could make that not so distant <laughs> right yeah we'll see obviously. just get a small brewer <laughs> Right and you know you'd stick a I'm chumpy tra- sticker on a can. I'm trying to think what the uh, I'm trying to think what like the the branding would be. I was I said to, I think I said to my friend uh, Vision Yeast, but Vision uh, yeast? Yeah, I'm not quite sure <laughs> that, what kind of yeast you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be read two ways. Um, not that we promote like uh, alcoholic drinking, but you know, 
we're, we're adults. We're, we drink responsibly. We have yep. a good time. We have a party. We're That's also perfect. offering non-alcoholic drinks as well. So it's whatever you pick. So yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a that's a wonderful treat. I was I was going anyway. Didn't realize I was getting a comp drink, but another fantastic reason to to hit along. Yeah. By the time people hear this, uh, the Vision Feast twenty twenty two will have wrapped up, yep. but they can look forward to twenty twenty three with yeah. all the exciting improvements and expansions that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I'm sure that we'll probably add things throughout the year. Um, there's always someone else that comes on board throughout the year, or um, a new idea that comes along, and it's like an evolving process. It's, you think you've got it locked down one year and then um, all of a sudden it's it's not like, you know, you're like, oh, we have to plan for feature films next year and we have never done that. So it's going to be a learning process in itself. Mm. But um, I guess that's part of the journey um, as being a filmmaker and like film festival, working in film festivals, you start to see the both sides of the of the of the journey, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's, so. it's been quite a journey uh, going from just correct me on this. When you started out, were you specifically focused on music videos or was it always music videos and shorts? I was, it was a music video festival for the first three years. I okay, think. there uh, you go. Um, or it was the first two years, potentially. Uh, yeah, first two years were music videos. Mm. and But that was also, I was like, um, I, I still direct music videos, but that, back then I was directing a huge volume of music videos yeah. and wanted to help the music video industry in particular, which is why we also have um, a very dedicated uh, award that will be throughout all our future years, which is the best New Zealand music video. And this year was a $500 cash prize and a golden chompy because I want to support that industry in particular as much as all the other industries of you know, genres, I should say, mm. of um, filmmaking in New Zealand. Um, but yeah, that was it's always been a love of mine. I've I've been the judge on all the music video stuff, so I, you know, I get to see all the stuff being made in New Zealand and, and um, the talent that's coming through, and we want to keep growing that and um, hopefully see more and more music videos being entered. This year, we got the highest volume of entries from New Zealand ever, um, and normally it's the United States because they just obviously like. It's the, like the filmmaking right? bigger population, and they're they got filmmakers coming out of the wazoo there, you know, like, um, but. Um, this year was New Zealand outdid everyone, um, and we get entries from all. We got entries from the Faroe Islands this year, wow. Latvia, like I said, um, all all sorts of places. Yeah, I've yeah. seen like well, obviously the Frank, France, Spain. Yeah, you know the classics. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's it, it is really a, a, an international film festival. Yeah, definitely, and um, but our focus, as always, will be on Kiwi filmmakers and in um, and um, supporting their work. Um, which is why all the golden chompies this year are going to local filmmakers. Okay. Um, and if we uh, get the opportunity to make more, then hopefully we can award so them to more filmmakers. Did so. you, once you came up with the winners, did you decide, well, these are the winners of the of their categories, and these are the ones that we're going to award the golden chompies? Yeah. Because there's a limited amount of golden yeah, chompies. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we had to, uh, across the board, we kind of just picked, like, I think these three projects are the kind of standout, like, um, Productions, okay, um, and these ones. So it wasn't necessarily the categories. No, 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 it wasn't the categories. It was just like projects we deemed as like, um, and again, it's kind of a part of it. It's like to get them out there to show that they're real things and that we want to make more. Uh, We would have loved to have given one to every single filmmaker that won, but it's just um, was unrealistic at the cost. And these things Uh, are solid gold, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, they are. Yeah, definitely. Um, But each one of those. costs a lot of money more than you'd think mm. i don't want to disclose how much but 
way more than we were anticipating. And we learned that along the way, and so did Carl. And mm-hmm. um, and but we problem solved and went okay. We'll we'll work with what we got. And um, I think they. I think they're absolutely beautiful. Oh, they're gorgeous. I'm so like jealous of the filmmakers that are winning them. Because, um, yeah. like, I want one. This myself. is why you should have entered Godslap, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would be crazy, right? And Imagine that. Oh, Sikovsky. Right. <laughs> and the winner is, <gasps> you'll never believe it. <laughs> do you know, you know That would be the worst. I went to this um, Star It was a small Star Trek convention, right? Right, a lot. Back in the olden days. Mm-hmm. And um, John Delancey was, right. who was, plays the, Q, was the guest. You get one guest. It was a small convention was really good uh, and the people who ran it were amazing um, they, they were quite um, active back in the sort of science fiction um, circles of Ireland back in the 90s um, and there was a prize to win a, a dinner with John Delancey at the end it was a, a raffle or something and it just happened to be won by the organizers of the event oh, come on. honest to god like it was a bit wait a minute that's not right that's that's when the crowd starts getting out pitchforks and torches yeah right? I, think, I think that was their last convention right? i wonder <laughs> yeah. i wonder yeah that's that's why it's so like, yeah so yeah no god's love can't win you want people god's coming away with a good feeling yeah, towards you right. and the competition uh, yeah. not going yeah this um, guy. I'm, i don't have that kind of um ego so yeah, yeah. as much as there's been moments where i've been like <laughs> just yeah. chuck it in there as like after credits I know it's good I know it's yeah. good no, no, it's, it's definitely everyone who's entering is fine but have you seen Godslap have you seen it and in saying that I've entered my own projects into the film festivals across the planet yep. and um, uh, and like coming back to what I said earlier I, I kind of forgot to mention that for a filmmaker it does become statistical gambling because you know out of you know, I entered, you know, Black Raven, um, one of my old music videos, into like 25 music fest- video festivals because it's a music video. And I think it got into like, it got into maybe, uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like eight-ish. And I think it won at about four. Wow. Nice. So it's statistic- statistically speaking, out of 25 entries, you know, I, I had to enter 25 to get that volume of acceptance and that 25 still came to over 500 us dollars or whatever it was so it's a huge expense so we know what it costs for filmmakers especially like me who was an independent um or i still am independent but even more independent at the time where you don't have a lot of money you only have a certain amount of budget that you can enter and you're trying to pick the right film festivals that you think will give you the best coverage of your project and maybe give you the best chance because that's another thing you have to pick as a filmmaker is you can't just blindly enter film festivals just hoping that they're going to pick your festival you really should do your research and we encourage all filmmakers who are considering entering our film festival to go through our alumni they're all there from every year to see the the quality of work the variety of work the the um uh, types of projects that we're accepting and the types of projects that are winning and that will give you a good gauge of whether your project um, will fit our festival, because we do have a type, a specific type, and a specific um, look that we're after. And it's up to you, you as your responsibility to ju- deem and judge whether you think it's going to be worth entering our fi- film festival, because your project has a, has a good chance of being recognised by us as something that's like, damn, this is vision feast material right here. Like, we're this is what we're after. Um, I think that's important for filmmakers to also, uh, you know, if you're a young filmmaker and you're lear- you, and you want to know, learn and know how to kind of navigate the festival market, you really have to pick and choose. Because if you if you've created something really special, then yeah, go for the big ones, enter them, drop that hundred and twenty dollars that it costs to enter Rain Dance or seventy US dollars if you can, um, and 
you know, hope and pray for the best that your work is of standout quality that will get selected because if it does, it can be a career-making type thing. We may not be at that level of where we're making your career, but we're trying to support your career and helping you get there. And maybe one day we'll get to a point where when your work gets screened here, it's like, yeah, this is special work and it should be seen by a lot of people. But um, How proud are you going to feel though when one of your alumni really does like hit the home run and yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't even consider it till we had that conversation before that, you know, what if you was like, what if one of your alumni and, you know, 20 years later is like winning an Oscar? It's like, well, I, I wouldn't, I, I didn't even consider what that might have meant if that, like the Vision Feast was the first award yeah. that they had won. But I'm not, I'm not worrying too much about that. I'm just hoping that this helps them along their way. And that when they saw what the Vision Feast was about, they enjoyed it. And they saw that there was some kind of value in their project being part of it. Because that's part of it as well. It's like we're we're in a way riding off the coattails of other people's work, but we're trying to put it together into a, a community package to to show that. It's, well, as a, as a creator though, it's it, it's got to feel good when you go to something like that and you see a bunch of really good movies that you really like, and then your one gets showed next mm. next to it, like just just a confirmation that okay, I'm at least this good. Yeah, you know that's got to yeah, yeah. that's got to be really good for uh, I guess a person's yeah. ego and. And, and just uh, yeah. uh, motivation. And that's what I mean. Going. Like if you if if you're going for it and you're entering all these film festivals and getting con- rejected a lot because you will get rejected. Mm. Uh, it's very rare that even if you make a good project, the film festival just won't suit your project. Just won't suit it. You know, like Godslap might be like really well produced, but it might be too violent for a particular um, film festival right. or something like that. Yeah. So you really got to look at their work and go like, is it going to fit the genre? Am I entering genre film festivals? Um, and that will help you get your project probably into more uh, film festivals than just blanket entering. Um, because to get into those big ones, like like I've mentioned, you, it really has to be something special. Like, you know, you've got to be the next, you know, independent big thing coming up for those film festivals to recognize you. And uh, that's the dream, I think, for everyone. Like, you know, I, I've tried to enter those big film festivals. I haven't got into them. But also I would say that my work isn't particular of, in that genre right. that they're screening and that they're looking for. My stuff is way more niche and, and genre-orientated, like action, horror, mm. thriller, gore, violence. Sci-fi. Um, sci-fi, cyberpunk, all a mix of stuff, you know, coming together. And um, when I entered the genre festivals, they're just like... This is, this is us. This they is what we it. want. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we're the same. You know, we're looking for animations, crazy shorts, live action stuff that's kind of quirky. It's out there, um, stuff that's gonna give you a visual feast. It's literally yeah, yeah, in the name. Yeah. We want we want you to blow our minds. Like we want to sit there and watch a project and go, wow, yeah, that was awesome. Like I really want to show this to the to the audience. You know, so yeah. Um, and it, again, I have to just remind the filmmakers: you as a filmmaker have to be the gauge of that. Right, so right. It can't, you can't blame the judges or the, or the festival or the people who are reviewing your work that your film didn't get in because, of the, because you think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. It's that um, you have to gauge it against all those elements. It's like, do, does it fit? Is it going to be part of it? Do I compare to the filmmakers who have entered them one in the past? And we try to remind people that we're not just looking for the you know, $500 productions, the $1,000, $50,000 productions. You're a one-man person making a stop motion in your room, and it's awesome. We want to see it, yeah. and, and, and we will see the work. I know how much work stop yeah, motion right. is. There's we will actually, see the work. Isn't so. there like a, a stop motion? Yeah, category? we had genre stop. We had so many new? stop motions entered this year. Right. Um, really? This is a good example of like on the fly. It wasn't a technique um, uh, spotlight this year. 
but we had so many stop motions into it that we were like, we, sh we should do a spotlight technique on stop motion because um, if you lump everything only into animation, mm. um, there's all these projects that we can't celebrate because there's only so many limited slots that you can sure. nominate. And in, in animation, you've got 2D, you've got 3D, you've got you know stop motion, you've got experimental paper cutout stuff. And um, we were like, you know, well, why don't we just make this new category so that we can so that we can celebrate more people's work? We got so many stop motions, we decided to open up to this um, uh, stop motion category and be able to celebrate those people. And work. is that planned to be a category in the twenty twenty three competition? No, no. Again, that year? was just that was just the um, on the fly. Okay. So next year we might find we got heaps of thrillers, right? Um, but we've only got one short film like uh, category. But why don't we have one? We and we've had one of our historical categories was thriller horror and um i think that was actually 2020 um and we didn't play it we didn't have time to play it but that was one of that was one of our genres but um so, so every year so, we, so you sort of mold the festival around the entrance then yeah so sometimes yeah, yeah, say, yeah well this year was one two three four five six really good stop motion uh, uh, shows they all should at least be acknowledged. Yeah. Let's do a stop motion yeah, category yeah. We, this we, year. But yeah, we, we got more than that. But we wanted to, um, yeah, we wanted to um, uh, basically bring in bring in more of the stuff because we want to we want to share those people's work. You know, well, stop motion. I mean, it's one of those things. Um, it looks more. It looks like more fun to do than oh, it is. Yeah. It's I've, so much work. I've done it. Yeah, I've done three, and that's like when coming back to the madness, like. On the last day of Turtle Pizza Cadillacs, just it was literally like the end scene of Shawshank Redemption when he crawls through the tunnel. Right, comes out. This was an old stop motion music video that yeah, we did yeah. a couple and of years ago. I remember it tiny this was before team. I knew you, but I remember you showing it. We're talking tiny team, you know. Across the whole production, it would have been like um, nine people help, but it was only ever maybe three at a time. Yeah, and again, just like three months, four months of craziness and all this other stuff going on in the background, and just like you're on the last shot. And you're just like, this is just the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then when you take that last shot, you just, it was like, you know, it wasn't raining, but I was just on my knees with hands in the air, like platoon. <laughs> yeah. Just like, it's done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. fucking done. It's a, million, <laughs> it's a million miles away from the night at the festival. Yeah. Oh, when, like, you you're know, not you're thinking not thinking about, thinking about <laughs> no, you know, the audience enjoying this. No. And that's not, that's not even the start of post-production. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we're cracking oh, that's up. A that's a classic. <laughs> that was beautiful. I've got a uh, smooth operator cream ale with a cool funky monkey man. Well, that was it. It's it's like we were saying. The artwork is for me a huge part of the craft because I know I'm going to like the taste of most craft beers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're only drinking uh, like one drink of a flavor, even if it's awful, you can enjoy it for one drink. Yeah. Um, so I know I'm usually going to enjoy the drink, but I then look at the artwork. And, and if it's got a fun name, they've mm -hmm. usually got a good name. Um, this I'm drinking something called Super Juice, and it's a hazy IPA. What's the what's on the what's on the can? Oh, it looks like uh, a green superhero. He's got a big long green beard, and it looks uh, it kind of looks like Doug. It's a big green Doug, basically. Yeah. So I'm assuming that uh, this is uh, Batch Brewing have made this, and I'm assuming it's vegan. Um, beer is vegan. We'll have to ask uh, Doug about that. I think so. I don't think it's gluten-free, but I'm pretty sure it's vegan. Alrighty. And uh, Skowski, what have you got? Alpha Daydream by Brothers Beer. Lovely. Uh, hazy IPA. Psychedelic uh, artwork. 
local sh- local Auckland brewery. I should mention mine is by uh, Double Vision Brewing Company. A mirror Marlowe. Beautiful stuff. Mm. Well, I wanted to talk just a little about uh, a couple of the uh, animated films I watched this morning. The ones that I was able to get my hands on, uh, you know, freely available online. Uh, Zankum Redux, directed by uh, Maurice de Bruyne. Yeah, de, de Bruyne. De Bruyne. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the assist. Maurice de Bruyne, yeah. It was, it was really short, but uh, really impactful. Uh, and it felt like a bit of Sikowski. Yeah. Like, I was like, uh, obviously, as we've discussed, you're not picking every film individually, no, no. but I was like, I can see him getting into this. It's sort of this alien creature doing that thing that I'm sure every kid has done where you wet the edge of a, a glass or a bowl filled with liquid and it creates sort of a tone. Kind of a Mobius-esque yes. art, art style to it as well. Oh, very cool. much. Um, yeah, amazing short. Just, again, you just look at it and you're like... Short yeah. and simple, just short, one idea. Yeah, short, sweet. It was like a last year's first entry, um, the stop motion animation, um, I think it was called Sandwich. Maybe you just oh my goodness, that. I remember. It's literally Sandwich, like yeah. a minute long um, by a stop motion filmmaker called Richard Weber. He's super um, famous. Like he's got heaps of short stop motion. It's called Bench, sorry. Right. Um, it had a, it's, just uh, the, it's just a character. It had a punchline though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just a character like sitting on the bench, stop motion, just eating a sandwich. And then another character, tiny character, kind of comes along and says, they're like kind of monsters. Did that open the festival yeah, yeah, last yeah, year? Least, I remember that. Yeah. It was such a great one to open because it got everyone to laugh right away. Straight right. Away, yeah. And let right. us know we were in for a it, good night. It was really short, but you don't, you kind of giggle, 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 giggle. And then, and then the punch. Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. go, ah! Yeah, yeah. And it's, and and it's festival perfect. Is on. Like, you know, that kind of stuff is the whole vibe, you know. It doesn't have to be long as much as I want to see half an hour of that one minute is enough yeah and that was a tone setter again well we're kind of doing it this year but uh, not quite um zero which is our opening um short this year we um we're not going straight into it we start we open up we do some um thomas is going to do some talking but it's a local kiwi filmmaker tim hamilton again when we saw that work it was like this is the this is the vision thesis ethos the work is like crazy zany live action short three minutes of just like kind of whole bunch of like awesome compositing i'm not gonna ruin the story for you guys but um it was just like when we saw it we were like yeah this is that's the opener this is like you know my my, i'm not i'm gonna be curious to see the audience reaction i wouldn't say it's gonna like make them laugh out loud but they're definitely gonna be sitting there going oh that was kind of crazy you know like but um local kiwi filmmaker um walking away with the golden chompy you know just like um always looking for that that special opener Mm. yeah yeah just to Get the night off to, on the right foot. Yeah. Uh, I also watched, uh, I believe both of these films uh, were from uh, Goblins. That's how I always say it. Yeah. The, uh, the the French, uh, French the school, school yeah. right? Yeah. It's an animation art school of some yeah. kind. Uh, our friend Nick's at the studio, we, we have uh, a cartoon night where we get together and watch a playlist of shows that we're watching our way through. And the midpoint is always Nick's showing us a short. And a lot of them are from uh, Goblins because yeah. they just create incredible mm. incredible uh stuff i don't know it's I, a... <laughs> I get the feeling they're just like uh they're printing these uh amazing artists on demand because <laughs> yeah. i just can't believe the quality that they. it's a real use. um uh, problem for us because they keep entering yeah and their work is incredible and it gets so like they, they enter a few projects and you're really like fighting to pick which ones you're going to show because it's just like the quality of work that's coming out of that school is better 
than major production studios are producing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it, but I mean, I um, from from the work that I've seen across the planet over the last few years, Goblins is um, the best animation school on the planet. I believe it is voted the best animation school on the planet. When you look at their work, you know, you you can see it. You're like yeah. the the way they teach, the techniques that they're teaching. Not only that, if you look at the students and what they're producing once they leave the school and the studios that they're making, like incredible. I may be paraphrasing here, but I believe that the creators of Primal went to um, Goblins. Wouldn't okay. surprise you me. You may have to fact check me on that. Yeah. But okay. there's heaps of other animations that have been created by students that come from there. And like I said, they entered, I think, like 10 this year. And every single one of them we could award. Well, like, right. That, right. You so that's so tough, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's like, it creates yeah. an interesting situation for uh, for you as a person running the film festival. You go, well, we can't deny that the work you are producing is incredible, mm. but we, I imagine you don't want to just... Well, I mean, it's a tricky, because on the one hand, it is different filmmakers mm. coming from this one institution, yeah. but you don't want to just continually reward uh, no. the one place, ignoring all others. No. Uh, we don't, but also the work has to be. Um, we don't. We don't judge works on you know who the fam- who filmmakers are and where they're from. We we judge them on the um, the quality of work. Yeah. Um, and it's when when you have that kind of quality of work, it's hard to turn a blind eye to it. Um, and also because you know that it's going to be like amazing to to show. And as a film festival, you want to show the best works possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I hope to also be able to show those kind of works to inspire other local filmmakers that, you know, this is the quality we, we should be striving for. This the, they're achieving it. We can achieve that as well um, if you work towards it. And we can. Um, there's mm. works that are just as good as that. Maybe not animated because they are the best animation school on the planet. And, this, and the works that they're creating blow my mind, like, every time. Um, and they have won in the past, I believe, last year's winner, visionary winner, it was Goblins. Mm. And they were best of fest. And again, amazing. But that was also based on the quality of the other projects that um, we got and, and the energy of the project and how it fits into the festival. Um, so I'm all for them to keep entering. And it's just constant battle to, to like, how do we fit this with also showing other people's work on, on top of all the other kind of genres that we're getting. Yeah. But yeah. They're too powerful. They have to yeah, be stopped. Well, what yeah. are we going to do? No, they're brilliant. But Everything it, they make. Is... It, it's great because, like like you, you say, the Vision Fest, it does have uh, international, uh, a whole bunch of international movies uh, being played, but there still is quite a lot of um, focus on Kiwi movies. And it just shows you that there's a lot of Kiwi filmmakers here that are right up there with uh, you know other international acts. And we've got a small population. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it does. And it was one of the things when I moved to New Zealand. I was like, uh, re- I found the creativity here remarkable, and well, just the attitude of let's just make it. We haven't let's had just try it. a visionary New Zealand winner yet. So that's still this could up be this for year. grabs. Could be well, it so shows, it just just wink. It is. It, it's <laughs> not this year. It's irradiation, okay. as okay. we talked about. It, it right. shows you um, that uh, there's not you know any geographical uh, bias it's just based on no what, absolutely what's the we best? have the best Aotearoa project which yep. is the flagship award for our country and that's mm-hmm. only based against kiwi work mm-hmm. um the visionary is based against the entire backlog of work that gets entered and that is really comes down to what we deem as like 
the the best of the best in terms of production quality. And again, we're not basing it on filmmakers on who they are and um, and where they're based. It's literally just on like the effect the project has on us when we watch it. It makes me sit and go, wow. Do like, you? That was amazing. I, I hope that's what people get. Like I I love at the end of a networking event and I go, what did you think of the overall winner? And I want people to come up to me like, uh, like I was speechless or whatever. Mm. I'll, I'll be interested to hear your uh, um, uh, reactions to it tomorrow where you're like, Actually, that was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, I, I bet the next the next guest that we record when we talk about what's inspiring us, we'll probably be talking about what we saw at Vision Feast. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I think of the phrase from uh, from Ratatouille of all things. You know, uh, he's talking about cooking, but this applies to art. It's like not everyone uh, can be a great cook, but a great cook can come from anywhere. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Sure. And you're looking all over the. You're getting submissions from all over yeah, the planet, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't matter where it comes from. Just I wanted to ask, actually, in terms of judging the best of fest, the uh, the award for the visionary yeah. uh, prize, yeah. is that a case where you just know it when you see it, or do you actually sit and deliberate sometimes uh, about which is, um, which it's going to be? There has been cases um, where it's like you just know, like twenty twenty, um, our award winner rebooted the skeleton stop motion, yeah, trying crazy. to get back into the industry. Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like. Uh, it was a I was multimedia just like, I project. I can't wait to show this to people. Yeah, it's such an amazing um, piece of work. That that was like um, about a Ray Harryhausen stop motion style skeleton yeah. who's out of work. And uh, actually, curiously enough, maybe the closest New Zealand's had to a visionary award, mm. Michael Shanks, who directed it, who lives in Australia, but actually was born and raised in New Zealand. Okay, so there's so a New Zealand connection there. Um, but not only did he win visionary project, visionary directing, and best short film, it's just like. Some some projects are going to get multiple awards, but that was like, if I was to sum up everything about what the Vision Feast is, mm-hmm. that's it. It's like if anyone asked me like, what kind of project should I make to enter a Vision Feast, and what kind of energy should it be? I'm like rebooted. Like just go right. and watch that, and like it doesn't have to be animation, it doesn't have to be um, animated at all. It can all be live action, or it can be however you make it. But it's the the feeling, the quality, the execution of the story. Um, and the elements of all of that stuff because the beauty of that one was it's like it's everything literally together it's live action it's stop motion it's got 3d it's got cell animation in it it's got bad 3d in it as well you know like on purpose um and compositing and and a heartfelt story Mm. of a skeleton who just who 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 was a star in the 1970s and 60s or er, earlier probably right um and just wants to be recognized again in the industry just beautiful right yeah Yeah. and and it speaks (laughs) to the uh the the power of just the ideas and the images behind some of these films that two years later and uh two beers in i can still recall them and go that was a great one yeah that is true actually yeah simon yes watch have you watched any of the entries no, not this year. No, okay. I, like, I like to, um, and it was exactly uh, what, what Alex was talking about. The you year. You want to go in completely blind. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Alex often big ups stuff like that. The one about the skeleton. He told me there's there's one. <laughs> there's one. Like, wait until you see this one. And even afterwards, I was like, oh my god, that one. So yeah, no, I like to I like to go in blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've looked at the at the lists and looked at the categories, but they're. To me, right now, they're just names on a list. Yeah, to, to what we were saying, uh, a list is not the same as seeing a film. Mm. Um, and normally, I would um, uh, promote every single nominee. Um, but this year, we decided to nominate more. And the volume of work to promote every single nominee was uh, within the time frame was just too much. Um, so our decision was more to 
um, still still um, put them on the website and then um, celebrate the, the best and the honorary mentions as well, um, but the best of the best after because mm. there's a lot of work that t- that takes up most of my time in the past years was um, trying to make a picture and promo for every single nominee mm. um, to the point where I was like, you know, it's not enjoyable yeah. and it's way too much work. Um, uh, 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 there's a point though where you get a big enough team you can offload that work but I'm like I said I'm doing all the graphics all of it myself yeah. and uh, when you have a full time job on top of everything Absolutely. sometimes yeah. you just don't full time job and yeah, yeah. your god slap work and your yeah. echogenesis work yeah yeah so you you have to come to a compromise sometimes but um, uh, it's you know evolves and changes every year so you, you did outsource um, some some really lovely uh, interstitial animations that introduced each film uh, mm. to Simon oh, actually, I believe yeah, yeah. last yeah. year yeah, that's this right. guy yeah yeah I used to do the chunky animations yeah, yeah. until I just got too busy and then you were able to take animation that I'd already done yeah yeah and, so we uh, made two. remix it and revamp yeah. it and make it look really good and we made uh, again uh, actually this cycles back to the earlier thing where it's like um you create assets over time to kind of create this look of the vision feast. And that was kind of the same thing with the animation where over time you keep building and keep building and you make a one chompy and then you all of a sudden you have two and then you have five chompies and you can use them in different areas of graphics and then you do some nice borders and then you find a font that matches your vibe. And then with the animation, it's like, well, we started with just a character and we just, and we just had him jumping on the spot and the same character. Uh, And then, we evolved from that and made another bigger one, which was kind of like my idea behind that big one was like, we could use this as an introduction every year if we need to, because it's animation takes time. It's mm. expensive. Not that I compensated you correctly for your time on that. But, but you know what? <laughs> being, being a part of that night was like, that, like when you're there and you're, and, and I'm there looking at my animation. On yeah, the yeah, nice. yeah. Even though it's not my animate, like it was all your ideas. I just, I just, uh, well, you were, I you just were made what you also, asked yeah. me to make. You cre- but, you would have created the assets, handed them off to. No, no, uh, he 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 did it all. Oh, really? Well, no, I composited well, no. it. I directed and made the storyboards. But in terms in terms of the, like the, the the rigs of the chompy, yeah, 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 and yeah, the, yeah. the props and all that sort of stuff, was that yeah, you drawing yeah, it, Simon? Yeah, yeah. But wow. but working with Alex, yes. Of course. But but you know, and that's what I mean. Like yes, like I physically made it. Uh, we're, we were you know anybody who works with Alex, he works closely with his with his uh, crew. So, um, you know, you, you feel like you're in safe hands, but we're sitting down in a cinema and seeing something you made on a big screen, um, even though it's only introducing stuff, like it's not part of the festival. And you got the sound effects but, and the music then on top. And of then it, you so. see some great movies <laughs> around it. You kind of go, oh, this feels pretty good. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. You kind of get that feeling. So, yeah, I think, um, I think this year I, my plan was to do some um, traditionally animated uh, <laughs> we keep cho- choppy work. Where are you going to find the time for that? To- time? I didn't. Like I, I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? He has the time. <laughs> but that time is spent I just have to uh, manage it better, right? Staring into the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> it's not staring into the abyss. It's getting into chit-chats. <laughs> yeah. No, no. He is like a psychopath. Like, we'll leave the room, turn off the lights, and he'll just sit here staring <laughs> for hours and hours at a time. He's, he's still talking. Don't There's no one in there with him. Who's he talking to? <laughs> yeah. It's the biggest barrier to producing this podcast is on the way to the room... It's like a landmine. We're like, okay, oh God, there's Kurt. Kurt, get out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Here comes started. Simon. He's going to stop and talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what, that's what we love. For. What I need is, is like, 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 um, blinders. blinders that horses have. Right. So they can just see in front of me. You have no peripheral vision. You're just seeing the ground leading you toward the podcast yeah. room. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just come on, Simon. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> come on, old boy. Maybe a little nose bag or something. Oh, that's why you're so good to um, talk to, you know, Yarner. Mm. You got the yarn ability. Yeah. Well, you know, you're not so bad yourself. And that you uh, before the podcast, you were like, oh, I'm a little nervous being in person because <laughs> you've got a microphone in front of you. It feels like a real interview. But we've filled up nearly two hours of time and you've done most of the talking. Oh, yeah. We've had a yeah, lot of really passion well for this project to share with us and we really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. I mean, you don't look for direct feedback on like that on the night you kind of get that feedback of whether filmmakers are enjoying it but throughout the year you're really just in your bubble of trying to get the, the next one off the ground and so as long as we get that positive reinforcement of people are enjoying it and um they feel like it's of value to the community otherwise you know we wouldn't be doing it if we, if we didn't if um if people weren't telling us that this was you know help, helping or it was enjoyable but um it makes always, a lot of sense because it's so much work going into it you need to well, see Well, this is the is thing the... about Film Freeway. Um, anyone can do it. Like, if you're unhappy about the festival that you attended or the one that you entered that didn't let you in or whatever it is, you, you're, you can make your own film festival. That's Film Freeway makes it so easy. Anyone can do it. Mm. You, Simon, could go right now, go onto Film Freeway, sign up with a, your email, and make, make your own fest. film festival, Yeah. <laughs> open up the entries, and you go, whether you go free or whether you charge, and just let, let it go. People yep. obviously, you know, are going to do research and, and find out that, you He's know. fraud. <laughs> There's no festival. <laughs> Is this worth putting my film into? Do I want my film festival? associated with yeah. the name Simon Crane? I don't know. Also, in saying that, that that freedom has kind of flooded the market. Mm. And we, we're trying to stand out above the market with, with the way we run it, with the way we make it look and all that. So what do you mean? Like there's a million different film yeah. festivals like, in there, right? it's it's There's just... a. Uh, uh, absolute ocean of it because it's so easy for anyone to start and there's scam ones as well there's right. a whole scam system oh really yeah yeah there's a big scam system of like film festivals where you think it happened in Auckland once where there was like an Indian group of people who had named one of the film festivals here um, uh, the Auckland International Film Festival now people from overseas just see all international Auckland mm. International Film Festival they just assume that that's the Sounds New Zealand legit. International yeah, Film yeah. Festival the flagship yeah. one and um, they got hundreds of entries, you know, like twenty thousand right. dollars worth of and entries. And they'd be doing that by just sending out emails, going. Uh, you don't even need to do that because people will just search international film festival. Oh, right. And the thing is, the the flagship festivals aren't on this on the film freeway system or without a box. They're like independently curated by a, a, a different um, group of people system that I'm I'm not privy to or aware to, but. Um, normally they're curated you're inviting filmmakers yeah. you're finding and you're sourcing the best stuff from around the world uh, which obviously requires a lot more funding to do um, but um, because people just assume this was the international new zealand film festival then you get a lot of people entering um, but it turns out that the people who are running the thing aren't even in the country it's like being run from india oh, right. so you think this thing is in new zealand but it's money's not even going to the local market and so again i, I mean the thing is and they still held the festival oh, but it's okay. not a festival it was just a screening of just the best like all the winners and that was that like you know maybe one person to say hi and were there uh, any prizes or? i don't think so so the money was just being yeah, yeah. so i guess like you know i mean if from what i gathered because i know david ferrier did like an expose on it they made like 20 grand plus which is a lot of money like we not even we get like anywhere near that kind of those kinds of funds um and um 
So they just came up with a better name though, right? Yeah, that no, no, it. that's all it was. It's like, if you can scam people that way if you want, but are you doing it for the money? Or are you doing it f- genuinely right. to yeah, try yeah. and help the community out? Yeah. And they're doing it for the money. So you do have to be careful when you are putting your money into these things. Do your research, um, as always. Make sure you're right for the festival. Yeah. Make sure that the festival is happening. And, and that's like real. I said, and because Film Freeway makes it so easy, anyone can do it. So there's just, you know, a dime a dozen of these festivals out there that will have like 100 people following them on social media or um, just like it's not worth it if you're not actually exposing your projects to anyone. There's no value in that at all, whether you're getting like just because you get the 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 um, opportunity to put some laurels, you know, on your on your projects, those nice little leaves that say you were selected or you won at this film festival, it's not going to actually mean anything maybe to you or your mum or dad or your friends and family or the people who worked on the project, but that is not going to get you in the next project. It might look to other people like, oh, they're winning something like that, but deep down inside you will know because I've done it. I've had that experience of having just random kind of like um, selections and not actually being part of a you know, film festival that's doing 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 the minimum groundwork that they mm. should be doing, um, that it's not worth it. Mm. It's like I, sh- I even like you know putting forty dollars into entering this best film festival is not going to get my project further. Um, and do you reckon so, though you get away with something like that one time, like a scam Although, festival? Yeah, that's the thing though. I mean, this year's <laughs> I don't I don't think they're around. This year's batch of indie makers aren't going to be the same people as next year's batch of indie makers. So. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're around anymore. But you, like I said, it's like you, you yourself have to judge whether yeah. it's worth it for you as a filmmaker. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's the dark side of uh, something like uh, Film Freeway making uh, film festivals more doable, more accessible for anyone to make. Uh, now, if you're doing a legit one, though, there are um, um, fail-safes. Mm-hmm. So if you're holding a physical event, you have to, I think, pay Film Freeway a deposit of 500 US dollars, which you get back when you show evidence that you had so that you can't just fake it. Gotcha. Because if you fake like some kind of prestigious, with you made some cool graphics and you're having an event. Um, but then again, if you're making 20 grand, $500, not getting $500 back might be worth it if you're trying to scam people out of money. But is, uh, is there, is there some sort of fee associated with, uh, if you're with, uh, whether you're holding a physical event or it's just an online festival? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, different uh, tiers. Yeah, different tiers. Well, there's also different tiers of um, in terms of like uh, how much money is distributed between what you're getting from an entry. Film Freeway is getting a cut because they're using your system. So, I mean, it's like monopoly in, in some way where they're getting microtransactions from every filmmaker, but the film festivals are doing all the groundwork. So for them, it's easy. It's like, right. that's like any tech person's dream, right? Like oh, Kickstarter yeah. or whatever. Yep. Like imagine how many people have gone scammed on Kickstarter, like hard, never get their money back. Yep. But Kickstarter gets like 1% or whatever it is off all of the funds, I mean, which have they got, which were scam funds in the first place. So. Yeah, not, not to cast aspersions on uh, Kickstarter or Film Freeway, but no. all, all of these companies will have wording in their, uh, in their terms of services. Like we are not liable for uh, what these people yeah. do, you know, whether the film festival is real or not, that's up to the person that's setting it up. That's on them, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that's the, I guess with kicks, even film festivals, but especially with Kickstarter, is you can have the slick, like people put a lot of money into slick advertising campaigns to sell this product, which looks like some kind of miracle thing. And it convinces people that this is going to be awesome and I want to invest my money into it and I, I want the product. And then they, they never get it and they're just wondering, like, where's, where's my money? 
and but Kickstarter got a you know percentage of it. So, but again, like the terms and conditions will be like they're not liable for the whether the product's real or not. But there probably should be some responsibility there on their their part, just like a film festival. That if you know, um, I guess with the film festival, at least you as a filmmaker, you have to do your research. Like I've reiterated, make sure what you're entering is actually going to help you. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to help you, but you feel like you're getting you're getting some value out of it um, because it is nice to tell your friends and family and um, colleagues that your project was recognized at, at this this you know country like France or America or uh, you know, I, I won at the New York Independent Film Festival and that's a legitimate place and it was cool to have have your work um, screened and recognized there. Did you get to go? No. No, it's pretty, pretty expensive yeah. um, uh, to travel to to these film festivals. I've heard. So, and uh, it's only worth it, I guess, if you're getting some kind of subsidy out of it or yeah, some yeah, kind yeah. of like networking opportunity. Yeah. But but you know that it did play there, and that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah People exactly. saw it in a yeah. in a big theater. And I try to be a as a film festival director, as the festival director, I try to um, uh, be a personable with the filmmakers. Make sure I'm emailing them and communicating with them and. Um, like I said, I've kept in touch with Remy, who won it in the first year, mm-hmm. and I've kept in touch with other filmmakers. Um, I follow their Instagram; they follow mine, and, um, and we um, and we keep people, uh, you know, touch base in, in terms of the works that we're doing and things yeah, like and that. Yeah, that's so. the thing. Getting back to what you were saying at the very beginning, uh, that's what it's all about: fostering community. You're following these people and their careers and paying attention mm. to what they're making in a way you might not have had you not been uh, doing this project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, we this is now the second podcast we've done that is just creeping up toward the two-hour mark. Right, right. It hasn't taken long. About ten, yeah. about 10 yeah. episodes of the show yeah when we started we said 45 minutes that's right and every episode came in at an hour and a half and now we're just beginning it's to sneak toward there. the two hour yeah. we haven't even mentioned jurassic world oh. <laughs> disclaimer this is going to be um probably edited down to about an hour and a half oh <laughs> my gosh i wish i had thought of that sooner please tell us about jurassic world dominion <laughs> the only reason you're even asking it's, is because i i vented so hard it's, it's, online you, you asked <laughs> for a platform here it is i think i think that the love for filmmaking has been so strong i want to hear about the hate (laughs) (laughs) no i think it's just like jurassic world we're living in an era where uh, we all know that that's just nostalgia bait and um um but what i I guess what i was most shocked at was i knew i was going into a film that wasn't going to be particularly good just maybe an enjoyable ride um but it was it was bad it was worse than bad i was ready to walk out if my partner didn't like want to watch the rest of it i would have walked out with her yeah and there's a variety of elements why i thought it was that bad um but it's like you know that's like an entire podcast we could just spend an entire podcast debating on why jurassic world may have been successful as it is but is also bad as it is and it's the thing that we have already discussed in this podcast already that uh someone with no budget can make something that absolutely knocks your socks off so when you see the product that you know 150 million budget 200 million budget whatever it is yeah and it's just so below the mark Mm. you know it kind of crushes me as a filmmaker when i see um the artistry because these films all have like um there's a variety of them out now like that i caught up with They're, they're all technically superb just like amazing visuals um but the stuff coming out of the actors mouths and the story is just man like what happens i mean i like to reiterate that there's great writing out there but not in the blockbuster genre uh, anymore apparently (laughs) not that i've seen in the in the films that i've been watching but that's just my personal taste and Mm. i know plenty of other people may have enjoyed it but i was so 
taken like, aback taken back yeah by mm. Jurassic World that I went out of my way to try and like fix it because I believe that I could like yep. someone gave me that much money I still personally really believe and I'm I am leaning into my own filmmaking hubris here that yeah. I I think most people could actually make a better story than what was written there yeah right. <laughs> I, on, on your uh website which i didn't realize you had a blog until uh you linked me to it but you've done a post talking about some of your disappointment with the film but also sort of uh what you would have done with yeah. a uh conclusion to this se- legacy sequel yeah, to yeah. jurassic park and i really love the idea that you came up with the idea of man has introduced uh this new thing into the ecosystem as uh I, I wish I had I wish I had uh, reread it before this, but uh, as a uh, an allegory for the way that man is affecting our ecosystem yeah, yeah, and our exactly. planet, yeah, yeah, and it was really interesting. And even like more than that, not just the broad theme that you came up with, but just really simple ideas for character arcs that you yeah, came yeah. up with. Where uh, uh, Alan Alan Grant yeah. is that the Sam Neil yeah, yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he. Um, he is of the opinion that uh, dinosaurs are just, uh, you know, they're just beasts. They're just, they're just or monsters. More, more in the sense of like, like you said, the arc where he, there's a chance for him to be. He starts as a paleontologist in the original kind of franchise, but now he's a chance to study um, them in real, in reality. Yeah. And I mean, as paleontologists, you dream. I don't know. I mean, if you're really into bones, you're into bones. But I'm sure if you're into dinosaurs you'd want to see them even if they're genetically modified not super accurate um in the in the real world i imagine that's the fantasy for people like um possible listener and animator at the studio andrew keppel who loves paleontology yeah the bones are great yeah but we like the bones because we want to think about what they yeah, were yeah, inside right. of oh, yeah it's like the csi you know we want to imagine and um uh discover what they may have been like and i think that's the without going into too many details you know he, there is a clear character arc they missed there where he could have become someone who studies the dinosaurs in the field and becomes a a, a, a foremost expert on raptors mm-hmm. which plays off on grady's character and they have a clash on that but it's a which is something he promised he would do in the first jurassic park hmm. i mean he's holding the old raptor claw and they said so what are you going to do now that there's dinosaurs and he said i, I I guess I'm going exactly. to have to evolve. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And he throws the... Or the, become extinct. And he, and he literally... Yeah, and he throws the fossil away. Yeah, yeah. Only to yeah. become a paleontologist well, again. And it, it is sad, that loss of sort of uh, wonder. Because Jurassic Park was well after my time. And I saw it uh, well after it, you know, stopped being impressive that they put dinosaurs in a movie. But I was still obviously impressed with the filmmaking. But the, the really... The heart of that movie is um, seeing it through his eyes. And really, the eyes of uh, people, the audience at the time, who, for them, this was the first time seeing the most realistic dinosaurs on film that they had ever seen. Mm. And you felt that wonder. And now here we are in 2022, and that's a little bit old hat. We're used to seeing super realistic dinosaurs. And what has the character done? They've stayed the same. Yeah. It's yeah. just presenting us with, here he is. Remember? Yeah. Do you remember how you felt when you saw that movie? Oh, you know? I remember. I remember <laughs> not not how you not the emotions that the film gave you. Just do you remember the yeah. film? Well, do you remember the feelings yeah. about the film? And this is something that a lot of modern media, um, especially the franchises, are suffering from. As I have mentioned to Simon earlier in the day, um, I caught up on like Kenobi, The Matrix, sure. The New Matrix, Matrix yep. Four. Uh, oh, sorry, Multiverse of Madness. And yeah. and what I just kind of realized was because especially with something like Kenobi and um, Matrix, or maybe not Matrix, but like 
with Kenobi, you kind of know where the characters uh, have Go. to end up. Sure. Um, so, and but all of these are suffering from the same thing: is that these characters are just being put into situations. They're not actually changing themselves over the period of the film. Yeah. They're just like, here's a situation. How are you going to solve the situation? They introduce these peripheral characters, but we're not going to Doctor Strange to watch America, the, the character, mm-hmm. or um, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. We're going to Doctor Strange because we were watching the film for the character Doctor Strange, right? Well, at least I assume so. You'd think. Same thing with The Matrix, same thing with Kenobi. And those characters in their films, I would objectively say that they're not really, their arcs, especially Jurassic World, there is no arc. There is no hero's journey. Yeah. As much of a trope that is, the hero's journey is the one of the main like philosophies in terms of character arc and um, evolution. And there are no heroes in those stories and, in that context. And people so. have talked about the fact that uh, characters can have a thing called a flat arc. Like people, the example people bring up is Back to the Future. Marty McFly doesn't really change himself from the start of that movie to the end, but there's a really exciting, interesting story that tickles your imagination mm. about time travel in the middle of that. Yeah. Whereas these movies that you're talking about, the characters don't change. The plot often boils down to character needs to run from over here to over mm. there. They need to kill this guy before that guy kills them. And you come away going, I said this to Mike the other day, I watch a lot of uh, blockbusters and I have to sort of convince myself like, I guess that was fun. Mm. It was all right. It was something. Well, it's, it's kind of what they aim at is like a roller coaster ride. You strap in, you watch it, and it's like a journey of experiences. But um, it's not engaging. I don't find it engaging at all. Mm. I'm, I mean, for Jurassic World, I'm just rolling my eyes most of the time because of how bad the story is. Mm-hmm. I can sit there and enjoy the visuals as much as any person. But if I'm not actually engaged to what's happening to the characters, there's there's no actual emotional reaction yeah like i'm not sitting there laughing i'm not sitting there like my heart's not beating because i'm in fear for these characters like you you think to the first jurassic park and how the tension like the master directing of spielberg in terms of building tension up to like this i think the dinosaurs are only on screen for like 13 minutes of the whole film oh wow right really? or something like that sure because of the limitations yeah, yeah. of making those special effects at yeah. the time but like it feels like the whole film was about dinosaurs and also the tension building in terms of the fear of the raptors and being like set loose and all that. There is absolutely no tension in Jurassic World. They set tension up, but I am not afraid for any of these characters at all because there's, you just kind of know they're like, what do you, what do you call a character when they're like, you know, they're just indestructible. Mm. I can't remember. They've got oh. plot armor. Yeah, or... plot armor. Exactly. It's like, this happens to get you from here to there for no reason apparently at all. Um, but we can't kill you off um, because then, you know, we wouldn't. I, I get a more. feeling watching <laughs> this film, and you could bring this cynicism to any movie, I suppose, but watching the film, you're like, Chris Pratt is not going to die right now. That raptor is not going to yeah. get him, you know? So, you know, there's lots of, like, stupid things. Like, I mean, the first film wasn't perfect either, um, but I think that's a franchise thing. Like, they, they're, they're really suffering from a lack of original ideas. Mm. Uh, sure. and character journeys i, I, I just I want to say though as a character arc i think that i actually think kenobi did a really good job because they they were really trapped in in um, canon because we know how he starts we know how he ends right so then there's this like 19 year gap that we don't know about so they did a real good thing whereas at the start of kenobi he's kind of beat down like he's just like like day he's, to day he's day not to day. unlike luke in the last jedi he is right. He's disenfranchised. There's, yeah, there's, it's he's I, I, unhappy with things, yeah. and he thinks the Jedi are over. Yeah, and I, I got to say, I quite like both takes on each character, but over the arc of 
the Kenobi thing, he learns because he's like he's tortured over his failure of on Anakin Skywalker. And then when they do finally get to like like they have mm. a couple of battles, but when Anakin says, "I killed Anakin," yeah, I'm Darth Vader. Yeah, like like it, and 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 over over the course of the shows. Um, Obi Wan realizes that he does need his force powers to save Leia, and, and it's not and it's not the most but, complex character arc no, in the world. It's, but it's not there. the most complex, well, but I it is they, there, and and it's it, it's it's nice bones to hang. Yeah. Look, we just wanted to see Obi Wan and Darth oh, Vader fighting. Can, can I can I give you a little theory to undermine that? Okay, however? okay. A lot of a lot of criticism of the new Star Wars films have been they are there to fill in plot and questions that people have had about the original trilogy. Right. You know, Rogue One exists to be like, well, why was there one part that blew up the whole Death Star? I will say it kind of feels like this mini series that they put up on Disney Plus, the the resolution ultimately is um that Darth Vader sort of absolves Obi-Wan. He goes, yep. "You didn't kill Anakin, I did." I feel like being very cynical here that that exists so that to justify another thing people have always felt as clunky in the third film, Return of the Jedi, where he goes, you told me my dad was dead. He goes, oh, from a certain point of view, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he killed the man who was your father. <laughs> Mike, is that what they're doing here? Are they just covering their tracks again? They did. But I think, <laughs> I think no, I think this was done. Also, though, when nicely, you think about this context, though, Kenobi's job is to protect Leia and um, Luke. Yes. And then in the in the very first film as soon as he confronts vader he just bails yeah. <laughs> just, uh, he's just like oh, i'm done I'm, I'm done fighting for you guys and then he just turns into a force ghost yeah just just when the shit's getting really bad you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah that, uh, we talked about this last week he spends 19 years keeping these kids a secret from the empire and and the day he fails yeah. and delivers them <laughs> To the same space station that Darth Vader is on, yeah, he shows oh, no. the towel in. Well, and you know, there'll be the like, worst time to show the towel in. People will be like, "Oh, you know, he's, he was passing the torch on that he that they're capable of." Um, well, no, the anyway, fact is, he, he does and, become a Force Ghost at that stage, but yeah. I don't know that Force Ghosts can get you <laughs> off a space station. I, I, fi- I, I find that I just some of the clunkiness of that original trilogy very charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also. Um, it was also just strictly utilitarian and I think a good decision because they realized A, Alec Guinness, the actor, doesn't really want to be here. Like, he's he thinks it's fun, but he's got a limit to his patience for this sort of project. Yeah. Uh, and they, they also realized he's not doing anything at the end of this film. Mm-hmm. For the last third, if you imagined him in the film, he would just be there uh, hanging around on the rebel base and he would have said that message to Luke over a PA system. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. more magical if he dies and then speaks to him as a ghost sure you know sure it's clever Look, i like there, there's ups and downs of of the original trilogy of all of star wars and there was ups and downs in kenobi but like like i took the ups yeah like I, I i wanted to see it's like, like perfectly like, well produced and all that's yeah. good good general generalized story those projects have like even you know like you know people are going to love the first hours they're, they're not they're not into it they're not going to love it it's all kind of relative and it's just like jurassic world i think there's going to be plenty of people who are like, that was cool, that was great. And there are going to be people like me who maybe are just going to be completely just taken back at how bad it was. And sometimes I think about that. I'm like, look, my uh, my extended family, they took their uh, kids to see the movie and the kids were probably thrilled to be seeing dinosaurs okay. on screen. Yeah. And to a degree, you know, I have heard critics at the time uh, of Jurassic Park saying that this doesn't hold up in terms of character and grit to the level of other spielberg films 
Like, they okay. weren't as rocked as they were when they saw Jaws or Close Encounters. They're like, yeah, these characters are a little thin. But that wonder of seeing dinosaurs for the first time carried for that generation who saw yep. it for the first time, you know? Yep. So, you know, it was like, a product, we, like we're saying, some people are going to feel that it's the most amazing thing they've ever it was seen. It's a product of its time, though, like, um, uh, in terms of the VFX and the awe and wonder of bringing um, the idea of what dinosaurs are, even though, you know, maybe not completely accurate mm. I, I, after watching Jurassic World we were also simult- simultaneously watching Prehistoric World mm. Prehistoric Planet on the, on Apple the Richard Attenborough series kind of like walking with dinosaurs for Richard, Am- walking with Richard dinosaurs Attenborough 4K. is is, um, is uh, the, John Hammond yes he's the actor David Attenborough <laughs> is but, but like man they did it so well like there's more emotion in some of those short interactions of like, because they shoot it like a, a, a Planet Earth documentary, right. where imagine like filmmakers are in the wild filming these beasts and and interacting. You know, they're not mindless; they're animals. And, and and I imagine that was I haven't watched it, but was that sort of part of the creative challenge for them to like, be like okay, if a cameraman was here filming this dinosaur like we would a wild mm. animal like a lion, how would they film it? What angles would they yeah, be able yeah. to get? As opposed to you know complete digital freedom oh we can do an aerial yeah. shot we can they, do a 360 they do take some liberties but they do it so well and they craft those little stories because bbc like always does a great job and those little uh, animal stories like editing together how uh, you know survival is you know can be a very you know interesting story for just just in the hour of a life in a tiny lizard or something like that let alone two tyrannosaurus rexes that are trying to mate or something like that but like those interactions and the way they did them are like amazing and um made made me think like this this has got more emotional like connections than all of jurassic world combined like all three films you know right right i I often think that's the way isn't it you think well these giant blockbusters they're putting so much money into it. They need to get as many uh, butts and seats as possible. They're trying to. They are doing it scattershot. <laughs> have you seen it? Did, have you seen it? I haven't seen Jurassic oh. World. Well, I don't it? intend to. Okay, so like, the, it's just the funniest shit. Like, you, you kind of can can tell like they maybe showed it to a, a test screening like audience, and the audience may have been like, "We need more dinosaur fights, man! Like, what's going? On? There's not enough dinosaur fights." And at the end, it's literally like wwe smackdown okay like, right. there's no reason yeah here comes the raptor there's no, with the folding it's chair. like that there's no reason for the actors to be there they're just kind of like there as spectators the t-rex comes in fights the biggest other one whatever it's the gigantosaurus or whatever it is <laughs> yeah. and then obviously like you know he's getting the upper hand the dinosaur the t-rex kind of dies but is it dead comes back to life when this other um, uh, Therizinosaurus or something like that. It's, it's a anyway. It's a it's a Vigisaurus, as they would say on Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. It's a herbivore, oh, okay. and it's got these gigantic claws. But these claws they they're not made for um, attacking. They're they're like scooping. You know, just because you have claws doesn't mean that they're made for like killing or something like that. And it's literally like T Rex comes back to life, and the two of them start tag teaming, like they're working <laughs> right. on the same team to take this bigger one out. And th- and the T Rex pushes the big one into the into the uh, Therizinosaurus. Paraphrasing the name here, and the th- it holds its claws out like that, and it impales it onto them, oh, wow. and then it right. drops them, and then the T Rex and the and the um, other one are just looking at each other like, 
like they're not gonna fight. They're just it. like, yeah, we yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this Jurassic shit? World. <laughs> like, fuck yeah! If, if you had like WWE graphics come down, it would have been. I would have been like, okay, they made it worth it. <laughs> would, yeah, now I get it. Now I get Someone it. Someone on YouTube's done it. that, no doubt. <laughs> oh, it sounds like they've anthropomorphized the the dinosaurs to like an, a completely unbelievable degree. Because in the original, they're meant to be like they've they've have the. In the original, did, did they boost the intelligence of the dinosaurs? Or is it just no, that they have so. brought them back? With I think eventually they were intended to make sort of no, human-dinosaurs okay. hybrids. The idea was that they um, they used um, amphibians to, yeah. to fill the gaps in the genome. That's right. Which but means that's that they're not going to be one for one. Yes. They're not perfect recreations. And yeah. that was the great science fiction twist, that because they took frog uh, DNA, amphibian yeah, DNA, yeah. I should say, uh, the dinosaurs were able to... Uh, change their sex and reproduce with yep. each other when they shouldn't have been yep. able to and that's what caused the yeah. big yeah. problems right yeah but clever move. i guess like wrapping that up because again i could talk about how like why and how to fix it for ages that as a filmmaker um uh who, who's you, you want to actively get to a maybe a position where you, you, you do get a 130 million dollar budget and you're wondering whether you'd get it right and there's a lot of other factors involved when you're directing a $130 million or whatever it is on budget. There's way more producers, way more people to please. You don't have 100% creative control. Um, but it's watching something like that and just knowing that the foundation, the rotting core, as I call it in my blog, the beautiful artistry and um, all of that is wrapped around that rotting core of a terrible story. And there's, and there's so many ways you could fix that story because it all starts with story, which is why we, we have scripts uh, entries in our, um, our film festival now, because it's like it's such a fundamental part of the filmmaking process, is that's where all films start, where all projects start, this written word on the page. And it evolves, it changes as you adapt it onto screen. But then when it's that bad, with that much money behind it, and I'm sitting there wondering, like, who's making these decisions? And in saying that, it's made its money back, but it made it, it made it, it, it made its money back because it was nostalgia bait and people wanted to go see, and that was it. That yeah. was the only reason I went back to watch it. Well, so only so many times that's you're going to get away with that. Yeah, well, I think this is the last time they'll be able to yeah. get away with it, to be honest. But who knows? They might go, "Hey, may, we made so much money off this. We need to make. <laughs> well, we need to bring I, it back. I, Twenty years from now, there'll be kids who grow up going, "Hey, they were my Jurassic Parks, and they were great." <laughs> yeah. That's what people do with the prequels. Um, Correct. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm wondering if at some point. They've done a big trilogy, right? And people are pretty mixed on it. Is the next step much like Star Wars to do a streaming service show? Yeah. Of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. They've already whatever. got an uh, animated series. They have an animated Cretaceous one. Park. Cretaceous Park. But I don't know. I'm I'm so, like, I'm so, out? not only my Star Wars now, I'm Jurassic Parked out. And yeah. I'm craving that original, original like, story. Mm. Um, and in saying that, the, probably the best thing I've watched recently was um, Severance, okay. by, directed by Ben oh, Stiller. Yeah. Right. on Apple I and like watched this yet. I've heard um, great things. my partner got me onto it Elena she wanted to watch it so we watched it together and and I, I rate Ben Stiller as a director of, I think some of the stuff he's directed is comedic just cable genius. guys mm, amazing and um, he's, well, he's yeah, had a miss but he's, he is a he is a great craftsman in terms of filmmaking we are talking about Ben Stiller the comedian yeah, funny yeah, actor yeah. Zoolander this he directed a, yeah this is a serious kind of take on what it would be like if you could um, like have your memory turned off from each other when you go to work so imagine you're coming to makapati um and the person that enters only um is conscious at work so we, but when you leave um 
you become conscious outside of work, but you you don't remember anything from work. Mm-hmm. So there's this kind of like play on like the ethical dilemma of that, like because the person that's at work is kind of in a prison of trapped at work. At work for life. But they work for you, who's free on the outside, but you don't know anything about what's going on the inside. The person at work has the only memories they have of is the d- the other days that they've been working. Yeah, so it's like when they leave in the elevator, the the chip kind of turns on. Um, they just wake up walking back into work. So it's like a literal kind of prison, right. like purgatory for them. You become and, two different people. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. And it's the play on that. It's beautiful because it's like, well, these are two different characters. Because that character inside is wondering about the character outside. And that outside character is wondering about the inside character. Yeah. And they play on that. And it's actually like super well written. The directing is awesome. The pacing is awesome. Cinematography is great. And like I said before, that there's plenty of good writing out there. It's just mm-hmm. in these pockets of like, and that's that's what I feel like is the that they someone took a risk and funded this because it was interesting and different. And I think it was like, we need more of that. You know? and, and people are always saying like, you know, Hollywood's out of ideas, but you've got to go and seek them out because there are people making stuff like this where you just hear the concept. I haven't seen the show because it's on Apple. I don't have Apple. I don't know. Alex recommends Severance. But I, think, I think you can <laughs> actually watch the, the first episode for free. Yeah. If you just uh, download That's the Apple app. That's a good business plan. Just, just check, check it out. But just hearing that idea makes me intrigued, yeah. you know, yeah. in a way that, like you say, the only reason to go and see a legacy franchise sequel thing like Dominion is that you have seen the other ones. You go, I recognize Jurassic Park. I want to see, I want to see more Jurassic Park. Whereas well, this think, is a, yeah. an idea that somebody had. Yeah. Jurassic Park does well because you've got a franchise and people will just go because they already know about it. Mm-hmm. Something like Severance will go under the radar because it's new. And the only way you will know about it is if someone recommends it to you. Or if you read about it through a critic yep. view or, or a review or something like that. Well, it's human so. nature, isn't it? People like the same thing. I know I do. We, we talked lo- about that in our last podcast. Yeah. Familiarity, right? The, Absolutely. The safety of repetition. Mm. Um, and It's much safer, and I do this myself, to take a chance on something that you think you suspect might not be good, but it's a part of something you already know, yeah. rather than taking a chance. Because not I will not get into it, but I stuck through the entire second season of Star Trek Picard. Okay. And I went in knowing that I didn't like the first season, was pretty sure I wasn't going to like the second one, and I didn't. <laughs> Yet I gave it my time, Confirmed. as opposed to going out and trying something totally new, which mm. would have been a thousand times better for mm. me. Mm. For sure. Because there's, sure. so there's so many great things that well, people recommend to me. This year, like, one, of my, check that out. one of my favorite sort of like big hits this year was um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I was going to bring that up. The fact that you mentioned Multiverse Multiverse, yeah. And I walked in, and then I walked out. And it yeah. was that situation of what I talked about. Like, I guess I liked it. It was kind of fun. But, I, but having watched Everything Everywhere All at Once as a comparison, a movie that had about half the budget... But so many more ideas. Yeah, it's, I on, mean, it's on my to 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 watch list. The so multiverse. Don't ruin it. <laughs> I won't. The multiverse is uh, is like a little bit creatively bankrupt. Like uh, it's a harsh thing to say, but when I, but only comparing it to multi uh, to everything everywhere, yeah, yeah. did I realize like this is what I wanted to see, mm-hmm. and I connected so much more in that hour and a half whatever it was to every character in that film do you remember and um, i did like like you were saying america yeah, the character yeah. and and multiverse of madness <laughs> i was like it was so she, cringe they, they were <laughs> a so prop cringe. they were just a prop mm. to be fought over by the good guys and the bad guys but the, but also it's such a funny play because 
he's always like America's stopped dreaming. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, oh my yeah, god, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. going on? <laughs> um, do you remember the we must um, save America, the Jet Li film, the one? I haven't seen that. Have you seen it? No. Uh, it's a it's a it's a multiverse um, film mm. uh, uh, and an awesome like teenage action film from my day from back in my day, two um, thousands I guess. But Jet Li, you know, um, the premise is like there's many universes and if you kill um uh one of you in one of that universe the, the rest of you uh, get stronger and more powerful okay okay so one of them so is the figured less this of out. you there are yeah, the, the more powerful yeah, it's, it's you a are. highlander situation yeah yeah right. so so one of them's figured this out and is traveling has found a way to tra- traverse between the multiverse oh, that um, sounds amazing and it's killing off all of these other jet lees and until there's only two of them left and of course because there's only two of them left they're both like the strongest yeah you gotta remember there's only one jet lee so he's literally fighting himself and the way they've cut it edited it this shot is like it's a great action film like and the story is like it doesn't have to be crazy character arc to it obviously the the one that fell into it has to step up to defeat the evil jet lee um and obviously you know you can watch it check it out but again like that's kind of a cool premise to play on and uh you kind of want that in films the the cool premise because i can't say like Jurassic World was a cool premise. There was just nothing there. It's the like premise was where, Jurassic World. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you want to? I'd love to be able to walk away from films like that and be like, like, like I'm saying with Severance, yeah. like awesome premise, but also executed perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's a little bit slow. I think, like you know, some people are going to walk away from um, watch that and be like, oh, it's taking ages to build up. But we've got to be. We need patience. Like, yeah. we can't just have everything all yeah. the time. Like you can't have everything everywhere all, <laughs> all the time. That would be insane. Yeah, yeah. Fact, you you got and tension is better when you are patient, yeah. and it builds, and the payoff is way, way better as well. Like it always is way better if you're patient for it, rather than just mm. giving it to you on a plate. It's mm. kind of like the difference between a TV dinner and from a microwave mm. to a, a degustation that's been cooked for you. Next year, we will make sure that in the run up to 2023, we're promoting the Vision Feast on the podcast. Yeah, if people want to uh, interact with the Vision Feast, I imagine that the website is the best yeah, place to visionfeast.com. do it. I, I'm looking at it right now. It's thevisionfeast.com. Yeah, thevisionfeast.com cool. and all the socials are on there. Fantastic. Yeah, check it out. Be part of it. Love to see you there. Please do. Uh, I'm Josh Marchand, and you can follow me at Joshua Martian on Twitter. That's my name, Joshua, and the word Martian, M-A-R-T-I-A-N, or on Instagram at Joshua Martian underscore art. And I am Simon Crane on Instagram, Siki Fundu, S-I-C-K-Y-F-O-N-D-U-E. Fantastic. Uh, that's all from us for this episode. Please stay tuned for more conversations with the amazing talent from our studio and beyond. So until then, keep mucking around. Oh, <laughs>